VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. This episode is brought to you by the following patrons. Natasha, Sophia, Goradaka, Vance, Cody, Boezy, Jeremy, Bruder, Ali, Nathan, Mr. Ragebomb, Libby, Wes, Dreskel, Aaron, Danielle, Tia, Lauren, Jonathan, Kate, Alex, Isaac, and Karoon. But because it's that special time of the month, we get to also shout out our You Can Get It level sponsors. And they are Chelsea Morgan, Amanda the Playwright, Leah Alexandra, Emily Brooklyn, Tori Eli, Jamie, Bryce, Sean, Logan, Dominic, Jamie, Trigger Happy Mongoose, Alex, Shayna, Ali, Dr. Voorhees, MD, Matt, Megan, Amelia, Maxwell, Liza, Courtney, AJ, Spider-Gwen, Lisa, Rock Donkey, Kristen, Irene, Naomi, Bex, Mallory, Laura, Cameron, Kaylee, Richie, Casey, Daisy, Jackie, Alisa, Mushroom Snail Fox, Jennifer, and Michelle. And all the patrons want you to know you're loved, you're listened to, and you're a valuable member of this awesome horror virgin community. And if you want to hang out with us, please do so in the Facebook group and Discord servers where we hang out daily. This movie's fucking dumb because this kid talks like a 74-year-old person. (laughs) And I never would have adopted this annoying fucking kid. <laughs> I would want a kid with like a, a little lisp that talks in like a child language. Like, hello, I like flowers. I'm like, oh, what a sweet, what a sweet quid. Mikey, do you think children speak a different language than us? No, but like, you go up to this kid who's painting, and she's like. Uh, pardon me, sir. Do you know the the second law of thermodynamics is no one will adopt me, blah, 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 the <laughs> philosophy of blah, 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 blah. I'm like, okay, you're not a person I want in my home. Mikey talking like adult is one of the funniest things ever. <laughs> no. It's a pretentious adult, not just an adult. You can just say they adopted a female Todd. We all get it. Well, actually, Dad, <laughs> the Beatles are a good band, but they're not like the best band. And you're like, uh. I just want the kid who plays soccer and like trips a lot. So there you go. I love how that was more or less the equivalent of Mikey saying, I'm not adopting a fucking nerd. <laughs> There's so many red flags. The kid's like, oh, yeah, I can do taxes. Let me help you with your taxes. And you're like, wait a minute. (laughs) Thank you for tuning into Horror Virgin. I'm Paige. I'm Mikey. And I'm your Horror Virgin, Todd, which means I don't like watching scary movies, but you guys make me watch them. And this week, the listeners made us watch Orphan. So was this the first time either of you had seen this movie before? This was my first time, but I did know the twist. So like that oh, was kind you? of interesting okay. watching it and, and kind of looking for clues. Okay. I still really liked it though. Okay. Okay, cool. Yeah. This is the first time I saw it. I did not know the twist. Oh, you didn't, you know, didn't know the twist? I didn't. I had no idea. This is not one of those movies people talk to me about. Okay. Here's the thing. I did not watch this movie because I heard the twist and I was like, right. well, I'm not going to watch some dumbass horror movie that I already know the twist about at the end, especially when the twist on paper sounds as dumb as it is. 
but I actually really enjoyed it today. Not only did I know about the twist, I knew that it was based on a real story. It's based on a real story? Is yeah, it based bitch. on the, 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 the movie The Imposter, the documentary The Imposter? No. Have you guys watched that documentary? <laughs> yes, that kid from Spain goes to like rural Texas and oh, lives yeah, with yeah, someone yeah, dead yeah, yeah. No, I yeah. see that one. And then like the family probably murdered the kid, yes. but like they wouldn't tell the authorities that like this is an imposter from Spain. And you're yes. like, this movie is wild. It is amazing. They actually made a real movie about it and there's a documentary about it. Like, yeah, it's pretty wild. And he was like 26 instead of 13. It's pretty much this movie. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll burn a fun fact right now, uh, be, just because it's too fun not to share. Please. So there's actually, not only is this movie based on a real case, uh, but there was a case that came right after it that is worth mentioning as well. So the Kurum case, yeah. as it is called, uh, is a case where a woman, uh, Barbara Skorovia, uh, was born with a hormonal disease that made her look much younger for the bulk of her life. Uh, and she basically lived with a family and manipulated them and committed several, it just says acts of cruelty because this is kind of translated into English. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't say murders, but essentially the mother and the family that she was living with ended up abusing her own children based on Anna's manipulation yeah, okay. to protect her. Anna was the name that uh, Barbara took on. Okay. So it's very similar, but the year after this movie came out, a woman named Natalia was adopted by a couple in Florida in 2010, but her parents began to suspect that she was actually an adult, not a child, uh, and they thought she had developed body hair in a menstrual cycle at too soon, air quotes, which, by the way, if, if you have known any amount of girls women people who menstruate at all uh it, there is not a set age <laughs> which that happens some people it happens way earlier some people it happens later it's a spectrum anyway so they believed that she was an adult so they began to treat her like an adult dress her like an adult tell everyone she was an adult and adjust all her paperwork to reflect the year they believed she was born they enrolled her in college and forced her to tell people that she was in her 20s Two years later, she moved out of their home, basically like on her own. They left her to fend for herself in college with no proof that she was actually an adult. Turns out she did not have any hormonal disease or dwarfism. She was a child. She was still a child. <laughs> Good Lord. Yes. Uh, thankfully, people found out uh, and her parents at one point faced charges of extreme child abandonment and abuse. Uh, and I believe that they were convicted, although the case has kind of gone through a, a number of different iterations. But part of the argument for why they thought this was that they had seen this movie only a few months before. <laughs> but I would just hope that Natalia is in a better place right now. Not heaven, just like a home where she is safe. <laughs> she might be in college because it's now time for her to go. Yeah. yeah, we found her a nice home and a farm upstate. Oh, no. But yeah, so this is based on a true story. So I knew that going into it, too. And I kind of knew some of the details of the story. Sure. And so I was kind of trying to look for clues. That, and I like couldn't quite figure out the ribbons. But I was like, I know that's part of it somehow. I have a confession to make about this movie. I called it literally the moment they took her home from the orphanage 
but I called it as a joke because uh, I was like talking to Natalie and, I, and she hadn't seen it either. And they were taking home a kid. It's called Orphan. Like I figured the kid was evil, right? So I was like, right, he's got course. Benjamin or she's got Benjamin Button disease and she's actually a murderer or the end of her life. So like I, I started riffing on that sort of thing and I was like, dude, she's almost 40. So like by the end of the movie, I had like nailed down how old she actually was. And it's crazy because I, I had to look it up because I was like, okay, how old is this actress really? And she was like 12 when they filmed yeah, this. Yeah, she was a child. I was like, like she's so good in this, man. She convincingly seems like a creepy adult looking like a 12-year-old girl. This is the craziest part for me. And and we I have heard that the sequel is very good. I have not seen it yet. It came out this year. Yeah, it just came out. I yeah. want to do it now. I I, I was I more really entertained do it with now. this movie than I thought I would be. <laughs> Same actress. Wait, do they like deep fake her to younger? No, dude. No. Really? She she still looks convincing oh, enough. Oh, wow. No, I remember seeing all the press around it. I was like, they got the same girl. And I didn't know if she had been an adult when she was in this movie. And I was like, well, that makes sense. It's like 10 years. You know, maybe she took really good care of her skin or whatever. But now to watch this and realize that she was like 12. Yeah. And now to be like, well, she's like 22, 3, 4. And I'm like, maybe she's like me. But Paige, you don't look like you're 12. No. Mid-20s, yes. 12. Right. No. And this movie came out 13 years ago. So if she was 12... She's now 25. Google a picture of her, Todd. I swear. Because I saw pictures and was like. I feel like if I Google a picture of her, I'm going to get on some FBI list. Hang on. No, no, because she is. I mean, she is obviously a full grown adult now. And that was a huge thing when they did the sequel is like, we got the same girl and it still looks convincing. I'm going to I'm literally going to Google Isabella Furman now. Because that's her name. Yeah. I bet they had to play with her height in the sequel, I would imagine. Because she is, you know, she's little girl sized in this movie. And like, I'm a short person, which has helped me look younger for longer. But like, there's a limit. The way they play that character of how she talks, etc. Is not convincing of a child and obviously an adult. It's like the baby so uh, smoking the stogie and Roger Rabbit. That's what she seemed <laughs> yes. like to me anytime she spoke in the film. Like, oh, mommy, you like daddy, so you guys fucked. That was like doggy style. And you're like, what the fuck? <laughs> She's obviously not a child. Right. But I mean, in real life, she was 12. I was a too smart for my own good sassy kid. Like I wasn't proper, but I probably definitely said things that freaked people out. That's what happens, I guess, when you walk in on your parents fucking in the kitchen. Yeah, thank God that never happened to me. Anyway, I don't want to fight children anymore. I want to fight 30 of these things. They're people, Mikey. (laughs) I don't know. Women? They're people. She's a person. Yeah. Did you Google those photos, Todd? Yeah, she looks... Exactly the fucking same, right? I think her face looks a little bit more adult than she did when she was 12. Just a little bit, but not not a lot. I bet they like made her look like the younger version of herself. They have to have. Yeah, well, and I mean, all the pictures... Because I'm looking online, I just Googled it. A lot of them are like from events where she's like made up and yes. her age. Yeah. So... Well, yeah, maybe they maybe they smooth it out with makeup or whatever. I don't, I don't know how... I don't really know... Much about that whole process but yeah i think if they fuck with her height and the makeup oh man like you could do some shit i think you could make it work i don't think orphan first kill had hobbit money so like 
I think this is an Apple box game. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I did love that as a punishment, the dad locked his son out of his masturbation treehouse. His masturbatorium? Yes. Like he hides porn in a treehouse. Like, has he never heard of the internet? Well, they live out in the woods. It's probably like really slow. This is all, yeah, this is also 2009 when like internet was faster, but like. Oh, there was porn in 2009. Paige. I know there Paige, was. Come on. But, like, Paige, Paige. He's also Paige. a child. He's Paige. a child child he's looking at pornography in the movie i didn't say <laughs> pornography the movie said pornography Paige, he's at least 40 <laughs> did you say he's at least 40 yeah if she's 32 he's like 45 no not the whole family doesn't have benjamin button disease or whatever the fuck it is like that 20 year old uh deaf girl was like really good this movie <laughs> she's actually like she's really good in she this. is really good i was kind of glad that dad got killed i was just talking to my husband about this peter sarsgaard always plays this character like yes. always because he's so good at it and it's real rough because there's a part of me that does find him like guy next door cute and attractive but then he just always turns out to be a douchebag and it's real rough to reconcile i mean he's good at it though like he's good at playing he's that really character. good at it yeah I was waiting for the turn, too. I was like, he's going to do something bad. I was really afraid that he was going to, like, do something with her. And oh, yeah. And oh, then we were no. going to find out that she was older. Because I had thought that for a while at that point. Ooh. That's a bridge too far. I, I, I thought it would have been a bridge too far, too. I was grateful it didn't go there. But I was also fine with him dying, though. Just wholesale. I mean, for me, it's like when he meets that other mom at the playground. Yeah. And like in my notes, I just have like, oh, did they fuck? Oh, they definitely fucked. They and that ended did. it for me because I was on board for him until then where I was like, he's cute. And I kind of like them. And like that kitchen <laughs> scene is hot as hell. And then that and I was like, mm -mm, he should kill her with a car battery. <laughs> <laughs> I really am shocked at I'm going to say just the impact Silent Night, Deadly Night too. It really had an impact on you. No, I'm just. I'm just fucking around because I thought it was ridiculous that I was like, I can't believe he cheated on her. But yeah, selling people's meat's fine. <laughs> I just realized it might sound odd coming from me that I'm just like, I couldn't handle the fact that he didn't respect her opinions. He didn't listen to her. No, he did not. And that is really on him. Although he is like the main gaslighter in this movie, which I thought was weird. He's like very protective over the very creepy, you know, girl they adopted. Cause that's, you know, what he believes at least, but like he's really protective over her and she's like creepy as fuck. Yeah. It, to me, they take it a little far, like, because they're, and I always try to look at this, like the same way with smile of like, if I was a real person in this real world, hearing this story from someone how would i react yeah and now granted this is me we're talking about who knows that there's a true case where this happened so i'd be like oh, do you think she's a murder child so like i'm probably <laughs> not the best person to tell i might yes and you into something dangerous but like if someone came up to you and was like i think this kid is manipulating us against against each other i'd be like yeah it's a child that's what they do yeah i, I would at least look into it kind of i would be like yeah, kids do do that, you know, or whatever. <laughs> kids do be being sociopaths, though. <laughs> yes. Kids do not have a developed brain, and they process morality and consequences a lot differently than adults. Yes, they do. And th this is like bad therapy Olympics in this movie. Yeah. That she does not even question the child. She doesn't question the fact that the, the parents are having two completely different experiences 
and it, like and just instantly like blames the mom. I was just like, what? Is happening Yeah And then literally Comes over and stages Like an intervention <laughs> Like That therapist yes. Needs to be fired And lose her license Well and especially Because like The only information The therapist has At that moment With the exception Of her husband Calling and saying He found that bottle of wine Right Which was not open No it was closed It was closed Yeah right So is the meeting before Which means that like In that meeting Either You have to kind of like Okay Something is going on here. There's some sort of dynamic that's happening where you either are not processing reality normally or somebody somebody's being manipulated or you are having a mental health crisis <laughs> yeah we should spend some time digging into this or like a munchausen by proxy type yes. deal but i would say like one that lady's a psychiatrist and so they are not like trained in a ton of therapy more like medication management because they mm. are medical doctors who go to residency and med school and all that stuff right 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 they don't take a lot of courses on how to therapize but also to come out of like a 30 minute session and be like, I don't think this child has any trauma in its past and it's in <laughs> living at an orphanage yeah. is a very strong swing yeah. for a mental health professional. And, which, okay, so like when she says, when she drops the F-bomb, when she's like, I know that grownups fuck, my first inclination is exactly the same as Vieira Farmiga's in the movie where she's like, we need to get her through a therapist. Well, no doubt if she looked like an adult, I mean, looked like a child through her life, bad shit happened to her over in... Even though Vera Farmiga doesn't know about that, which, by the way, I, there is an expanded backstory. There's a lot of deleted scenes and deleted script scenes that explain a lot of it. I'll talk about it in Fun Facts. Oh, cool. But even, like, if I'm in Vera Farmiga's shoes and I hear that come from a child out of nowhere and they seem to have a full understanding of what it means... My first inclination is that this is a child that has potentially been a victim of sexual abuse. Oh, of that's course she has. Yeah. And that's why you immediately take her to a therapist to be like, hey, let's figure out what's up. And for a therapist to be like, eh, I don't think anything's wrong. I was just like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> well, a very sad fact is a lot of kids in the system get sexually abused while in the system. Of course. That is quite unfortunately common and awful but like yeah for this whole family be like i'm sure it's not her she's got no trauma she's good the one thing she did say is that you don't love her enough and i was like whoa crazy as she played chopin to me on my piano and taught me about the good tax breaks because she's definitely not an adult yeah oh my i gosh. do think they cut a scene where like the mom and dad walk in and she's like smoking a cigarette with like a green visor on a head and an old school adding machine <laughs> like doing her taxes. I'd have laughed my ass off. I can spoil some stuff now if you want. There's a ton of fun facts for this. So I have some nice. that I can burn. Do you want to talk about deleted stuff now or later? It might Let, be better later. Once yeah, I was going to say, let's say it later movie. so people who haven't seen the movie have context when we talk about the deleted scenes. But I'm super excited for it because that's like super interesting to me. Mm -hmm. uh, but Mikey, she grew up in Estonia. You were asking earlier. Estonia, right. But right, right. she said, ever, yeah, Estonia, sorry. But she was telling everyone she was from Russia because they're like right next door. I don't know if you remember, we talked about the Baltic region on our Santa Sleigh episode. I cut yeah, a lot cut of it out. Yeah, you cut some of it out because you had some bad geography yeah. going on. Well, and that's essentially why we started talking about it, because I fucked up that, that area. And then, yes. <laughs> so I thought it was funny, because Mikey, last episode, he was pretty dug in on where the Baltics were. And for it to be cut out is a crime to humanity. <laughs> Because you realized as we were talking to you, they were like, oh, 
completely different part of the map. It's literally mm -hmm. across the Baltic Sea. Like, I was close. <laughs> anyway, the only reason I brought that up was because Mikey was talking about how, like, that specific region is where, like, Americans put evil people because it's, like, vaguely Eastern European. And that's where the bad person was literally in the next movie we talked about. Yes. I've actually been thinking about this a lot because the Cold War has been over for a long time, but that's been where we get our villains from in yeah. America. Mm. Forever. And it's not necessarily fair to the people who live there. No. But I think I think it's something about American exceptionalism and the rival superpower. I think that was it. Do you think so? But now we have a global economy. So it used to be like Russia was the bad guys. Right. But Russia and China and all of that, they're too big of a trade partner to be like, oh, they're the villains. So it's like. Right. So they pick the small countries around it. They pick some random fake Eastern European nation and then they can make it be like this is was it's kind of like pseudo Russia what or North Korea which is even more ridiculous like there was a whole video game about North Korea invading America which is the logistics just don't work out I just think we need to stop getting our villains in movies where Trump gets his wives <laughs> <laughs> oh ouch but zinger I think part of the reason is not necessarily the trade partners although that's definitely part of why no one is officially from Russia except in that one Mission Impossible movie and you can't pick like a race that's super racist. I also think it's just that most Americans are really dumb, obviously myself included. Oh, yeah, for sure. And if you say they're from Estonia, people are going to be like, that place doesn't exist. It does. Estonia is <laughs> real. No, I know. It's right next to Russia and right by the Baltic Sea. But also, what if... Eastern Europeans are evil. We got to entertain it. I mean, I, I don't think I could blanket say that all Eastern Europeans are evil. This is not Die Hard the podcast. That's our new merch. That's our new merch, sir. <laughs> I just want to see a picture of Mikey behind that like cheap card table with a poster board taped on it that says, all Eastern Europeans are evil. Change my mind. <laughs> Unrelated. I watched Black Widow the other day and enjoyed it way more than I thought I would. It's bonkers in a way that works. Yes, it is, Mikey. <laughs> It's like the Mikey movie of Marvel movies. Yes. Oh my God. Now I want to see it. I have literally never wanted to see it until that <laughs> sentence came out of your mouth. And I'm going to go fire up Disney Plus after we're done recording tonight. <laughs> <laughs> the, and their Russian accents are all like borderline offensive All over the map <laughs> It's like your Italian accent, Mikey yeah, um, It's that's about like as good yeah. <laughs> It's a me, a Russian <laughs> I like how you still say it's a me It's a me, a Russian Everyone uses one except Scarlett Johansson Who just talks like she's from Chicago Yes Exactly I love that for her When she started with the MCU, she had a full Russian accent And yeah. then it just dis-a-fucking-peers And then in this movie, everyone has a Russian accent except her And she She's just like, look, I've turned over a new leaf, okay? And they're just like, oh. No, <laughs> oh, you think you're so much better than us at Russia? And you're like, wow. Come on, wrestle me. We'll see whose leaf is newer. Like, it's just that. It's crazy. You just said the most insane sentence I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> Arm wrestle me, we'll see whose leaf is newer. That is gibberish <laughs> words of someone having a stroke. And you know what? I could have taken it's, that it from the film. It might be a line from the film. I don't know. <laughs> I know that they're like, it's small set action pieces, and all of a sudden there's like a giant floating city. <laughs> there's a city. giant <laughs> helicarrier prison. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> and they're like flying through the air fighting each other. And I'm like, this doesn't feel small scale. This doesn't feel small at all. <laughs> Speaking of small scale, we've got to talk about Orphan. And I promise to make zero Gilbert and Sullivan references, even though I will want to the entire movie. What kind of dorky Oh, like ass little shit Orphan Annie? Yeah, what kind of nerdy ass bullshit geekery <laughs> that is beyond Dungeons and Dragons are you talking about? Uh, in Pirates of Penzance, there's a pretty funny Get gag the fuck out of here. about Orphan <laughs> and the word often sounding very similar while sung. You know who doesn't listen to podcasts? Grandparents, which is the only people who would get what the fuck you're talking about. I want to go back to talking about Too Hot to Handle. <laughs> Paige, same. I have to talk to you. Offline, on a bonus episode, I don't care. Is that the one where they touch? If they touch, they lose money? Yes. yes. I've only watched the first season of it. So I didn't realize Paige. there were four seasons. Paige. Holy shit. The fourth season isn't done. I give the oh, okay. first half of the fourth season four to five cats. Like it is <laughs> solid. Mm-hmm. Okay. Watching. Mikey, it's hilarious. Like they make them like they can't make out, they can't touch. But I saw the previews of the first season where they're like, I'm just gonna have sex with her anyway. And I was like, Oh, that happens, Mikey. Oh, yes. Season one, they bring a comedian to the island. <laughs> oh my god. God. And he's not an exceptionally hot comedian, but he ends up making out with like three different people. Of course he does. Well, I try to tell people yeah. yes. really just only have to be funny. Yes. Yep. It is proof that like personality can fuck shit up. Like it's wild. And people get super mad at him because they're like, he's not even hot. It's so hey, wild. That was me during like high school and college and after my divorce and like yeah mikey does it now mikey slays now with that personality and huge vitamin water do you guys want to get into this movie so we can talk about it scene by scene sure just right before you did watch the trixie and katya too hot to handle yes yes? yeah (laughs) i'm so stupid i don't even know australia is Seriously, when I told you guys I was watching it, I was hoping that you would go and watch it. So, like, while we take a break, after this recording, we're not recording again for, like, two weeks or maybe a little bit less, but around that. During that break, I need you guys to have watched Too Hot to Handle. Anyway, we let's just jump into this movie so we can go through it scene by scene. We've been talking for 40 minutes already. Let's do it. <laughs> Sorry, I just had to get it out. I know. I probably caught half of those tangents, but. Yeah, sure. Keep the good ones. That's usually what I do. I hate all Eastern Europeans. <laughs> just to sum up, if you missed some of those tangents because I caught them out. Very nice. My wife. <laughs> oh, my God. Now people are going to think there was some big joke about you Sounding like Borat, and there wasn't. You just did that for the first time just now. You're insane. Fun fact: David Harbor sounds like Borat the entire time. <laughs> yeah. Everyone in the movie Black Widow sounds like Borat. They're like, "Oh, very nice, you spy." They don't. It's it's not they that don't bad. Not. <laughs> like Paige, all I imagine, like that kitchen table scene. I'm like, like. People laughed a lot, I think, during this time. Because they like basically are all doing a Borat implosion, except for Scarlett Johansson. Implosion. Implosion. They're, just, they're like, why you go America a long time? And you're like, wow, this is overtly offensive to anyone. <laughs> we got to get into this movie so we can go through it scene by scene. Okay, it starts with the most It starts with awful the, one of the most traumatic things we... We have ever uh, seen on this podcast, personally. I do think the first five minutes of this movie are, like, so scary and sad. And, like, it's sort of, like, up in a way. It just starts out with, like, some real sad shit. I think it's the opposite. It's down. (laughs) 
I made the movie up, you crazy person. Oh, it it is rough. I I've never been in a relationship where there was a miscarriage or anything like that, but I can imagine watching this part was very hard on anyone who has experienced that. And I was like, it just went too into it. I feel like almost it was rough, man. Oof. I mean, I'm I'm torn because I do want those experiences represented on screen because they are more common than people think and uh, a part of people's journey to have children. But, ooh, is it tough to watch? (laughs) That was rough. And at first I wasn't sure if, like, she was having a bad dream, which I guess she is having a bad dream. She is. It's a dream. But, I mean, it's clearly based in some reality. So maybe it's a little bit more heightened than it was in the moment. Because it's a dream or whatever, but it's still very, like, it's pretty graphic and very scary and, like, I don't know. There's also Peter Sarsgaard, who who plays her husband, is yeah. both her husband and the doctor in yes. this scene. Yeah, I noticed that. So it, it is meant to be dreamlike and strange. The worst part about it is, is like, no one uses a camcorder like that. I don't think that that's the worst part of it. I mean, as someone who does camera work professionally, I have some notes for Peter Skarsgård's character in this. Is it Skarsgård? It's Sarsgaard. No K. Sarsgaard. Wait. Are they not related? He's not related they to the They are not related. What? No, he's not You're an extra Skarsgård. He's not related to Stellar Skateboard? Are you serious? No, he's not related to Stellar Skateboard. No shit. Or to Alexander Skarsgård or to Pennywise the Clown. He's related to Maggie Gyllenhaal. He's related to Maggie Gyllenhaal? Yes. I, until this moment, thought he was one of the Skarsgårds. <laughs> <laughs> And I've seen this guy in a bunch of stuff. Like, he acts. He's not related to the Scars Guards at all. Okay, that's fine. I didn't I didn't have anything writing on it, but, like, I, until this moment, thought he was. No. <laughs> that makes sense, because in my mind, I always referred to him as the unattractive Scars Guard. I mean... Which <laughs> makes sense, because he is not as attractive as the Scars Guards, who are in no way related. <laughs> He's the most attractive Skarsgård. <laughs> no, he's the most attractive Sarsgård. Sarsgård. There is a least attractive Skarsgård, but even the least attractive Skarsgård is bonkers hot. Like, it's crazy. <laughs> it's not like the bonus property, brother. But let me pull up the Skarsgård so you can see all of them. All right. He is the ugly Skarsgård. I actually recognize him from that show, though, and he's a great actor. He's great and honestly done up like a Viking. Yeah, I'll take it. Yeah. It's just that he's standing next to his brother, who is like Eric Northman from True Blood, and his other brother, who is creepy, but also somehow hot. Yeah. Well, that checks out for you. The only movie he was really hot in was It Part 2. No, I liked him in Barbarian. <laughs> I figured you would have liked him in It Part 2 because of those teeth. Oh, no, no, no. No, I'm talking about Mikey, not you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Pennywise never grows a bunch of shoulders. Like, that's not my thing. That's you. Each shoulder's the deadlights for Paige. Like, yeah. that's what it is. It, like, folds out of his shoulders. I'm really not attracted <laughs> to spiders, you know? So. I hear that Pennywise is an arachna fuck boy. Sorry, I've been watching a lot of Too Hot to Handle. I, I, I'm just starting to talk like it now. I'm so sorry, Paige. <laughs> no, like, like, the cutaways, the confessionals. Yeah, just yeah, like, that's what I was thinking. She's playing, and, like, she could be with me, but, like, and they're not good at it. Like, they don't have she good She won't even phrases. let me Show her my deadlights. Yep. And you can tell the producers are feeding them things to say. It's it's great. It's so great. I struggle to watch like Love is Blind and stuff like that where they're like 
These skinny, attractive people with no stakes are going to have true love. Uh, But too hot to handle is just like, no, we're just going to laugh at these hot people. I'm like, absolutely. We're going to laugh at hot stupids for 45 (laughs) minutes an episode. It's great. Let's see if hot stupids can not have (laughs) sex long enough to win enough to basically pay for their flight home. (laughs) It's such a good show. Anyway, we got to move on. Have we even started this movie? Good lord! Yes, we have. Okay. We have. We we're in the horrifying, terrible PTSD dream in the beginning. That's why we're struggling to stay on topic because it's hard to talk about. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. So she wakes up. She goes to the bathroom. We do see what appears to be a surgery scar, and she's yeah. taking medication, which they never clarify exactly what happened. It sounded. Based on like the fact that they were choosing to adopt, uh, it sounded like maybe a hysterectomy and that's why they can't have children, but they never confirm it. It could have just been a C-section. It was just a pretty substantial scar. Yeah, which I mean, I don't know. It could have been an emergency situation and something happened and they did have to sort of. Yeah, you never know. Yeah, you never know. Uh, it's similar to scars I've seen from people who have had severe endometriosis. Okay. And have had to have uh like fibroids and things removed but like she is a pretty substantial one which just tells us that something big happened and recently because it it is a recent scar like it doesn't look like it's been there for years and years and years right it looks like a couple years and i will find out through the story that it's probably been a couple years yeah i mean it would have to have been at least like 10 months or so it's more than one yeah it's more than one because she's been sober for almost a year and I That's think true. this yeah, kind of okay. precipitated her drinking. I was just thinking about the size of those roses. But yeah, no, you're right. It, it has to be longer than that because of her time being sober. Right, exactly. Yeah. We watch as she goes to a therapy session where she's like, I am having these dreams and I'm very stressed out and I'm wondering if maybe I'm not ready to adopt yet. And she does kind of mention that she's like doing this for him, meaning her husband, which I was like, you should probably both be on board for whatever this is going to be. Absolutely. Yes. Obviously, they're a partnership and they should be at least communicating about whether they both want to do this or not. (laughs) (laughs) No, let's just go get it like Costco. I mean, that is what happens in this movie. Like, I thought it was wild (laughs) how easy it was for them to go to a party and return home with a child. Well, a 33-year-old woman who was playing a child. A 33-year-old woman. <laughs> She's free to come and go whenever she pleases. Yeah, apparently. That's what it is, Paige. They didn't adopt her. CCH Pounder was like, yeah, she's almost 40. She can go wherever the fuck she wants, guys. Yeah. Also, by the way, that role written for CCH Pounder. Of course it was. I love her so much <laughs> since Demon Knight. I have seen her in other things, like doing bit parts or whatever. I'm like, ha CCH Pounder. Well, she's Law and Order forever. Yeah, she was on Law and Order forever. You're right. She She's the queen of Law and Order. Yeah. But... What I think is really interesting is I think that she functions kind of like a kind of flipped version of Dick Halloran in The Shining. Okay. Where she is kind of the harbinger, but also this kind of calming force in the movie of like, hey, I think something might be wrong. I need to get to you. I need to warn you. And then is unfortunately dispatched by the villain. And again, I'm, I'm referring to the Kubrick film version of The Shining, not the book. Yeah. Anyway, we cut to she drives past Vera Farmiga. 
drives past a wine shop but doesn't stop uh, and she does tell her therapist about it we kind of cut back and forth where she's kind of remembering these things which is what i call the other wine stop w-h-i <laughs> therapy the wine <laughs> stop uh-huh. honestly we need to start a practice Paige and i will run it mikey you'll be the therapist and we'll call it the wine stop i need more people to run the practice than to do actual therapy yeah because we will, we need two people at least to manage you mikey <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, these are your 15 minute sessions. So you're going to have to like really get to the good stuff quickly. I do not have. Time. What are you, a chiropractor? Uh, no. So pro tip, dealing with insurance and all of the rigmarole that comes along with it takes so much time. That's part of why a lot of private practice go cash only. I went cash only because the 12 year old I adopted does my taxes and she told me to. <laughs> she, we just have them pay under the table. <laughs> Which is convenient because that's where she does your taxes under the table. Right. Because she tiny yes uh so in this therapy <laughs> session they do clarify a little bit of what happened to her and why she is having these ptsd dreams yeah uh, that she went through a stillbirth which is devastating that is i mean oof. they even mentioned it i think that the baby was dead for a while inside her and that's something that she knows about and like it was just like i have no idea on earth whatever that would be like I'd imagine it was so traumatizing. Like, this deals with a level of trauma I will never know, but it still made me, like, even though it's a trauma I'll never know, it made me very uncomfortable. And I'd imagine that, like, if it's a trauma that you do know or even could experience, it hits on a, I'm sure, much deeper level than what I experienced. I know two people that this has happened to. Oh, God, it's so heartbreaking. And and both of them, it was ninth month. Like, they were, they would have delivered about, three to four weeks later. Yeah. Um, and at that point, you have to go through a full delivery. It's, it's yeah. brutal. Anyway, back into the actual episode. Uh, we find out that they're seeing actual kids to adopt this weekend. Now, here's where I will like pepper in some stuff. In deleted scenes and removed portions of the script, at this point in the movie, they had actually already met and chosen a child and were in the process of uh, adopting her uh and in that version of the script it was a a seven-year-old girl from puerto rico okay and there is then an extra deleted scene in which it is implied that esther murders her really because she meets them at this party so like she meets them and is like that's my new dad murders the girl that they are planning on adopting and then the orphanage is like well you seemed to have a connection with Esther and then they proceed to adopt Esther okay it doesn't end up in the final film but that's the backstory I guess that makes sense as to how quickly they can adopt Esther after they meet her because it just yada yada is a lot of story in which they would be like applying for the adoption and all that stuff I'd imagine it just like skips all that well it applies they did safety stuff at the home they did like a home yeah they do they do talk about doing a home visit yeah they they've done so I imagine it has been a multiple step process but they literally are like just come pick one out next week yeah, it does it, seem like that it's like hey come to our christmas party or whatever and then just grab any child you like one and just take it home it's fine i i will say and this is just personal experience i'm sure there are a myriad of other experiences out there everyone i know that has adopted a child a if they have adopted them in the united states it is either typically out of the foster system or out of a private adoption uh that they have arranged with someone where you are adopting a newborn okay i have in my experience 
never heard of in modern day an orphanage situation like this in the United States. It's a foster. It's more of a foster. It's a foster home. Like it would be a foster home, right? Um, and maybe that's kind of what this is. The idea that you could just walk up and be like, yeah, she seems cool. I think maybe that <laughs> happened in like the 20 and 30s. I don't think that's happened recently yeah in in america at least and but again that is purely just the experiences i have had with the people i know who have adopted children yeah Yeah. it was insanely quick in the movie i was like that's not how that goes i'd imagine there's probably a little bit more to it than that no no you just come on down you pick one out just like your daddy warbucks just come on down (laughs) grab a redheaded baby and go home you saw how fancy that orphanage was did you see how many patterns were in the molding on the wall i did actually i was like man the catholic church is overfunded here's what i'll say about daddy Morbucks. uh warbucks Morbucks. warbucks because he was a war profiteer that makes sense my big thing is like a rich single man just comes to randomly adopt a child and nobody's like um do you think this could end badly Like, do you think this is an Epstein Island scenario or (laughs) like you think she's going to be fine? Okay. Like nobody questions it. I'll say this, man. If like a middle-aged dude shows up at an orphanage referring to himself as daddy when his first name we all know is Oliver. We know your name's Oliver Warbucks. We get it. Did you just Google that? I did. His name is Oliver Warbucks, but he makes people call him daddy. This dude's a perv. That's my point. Don't let him take Annie home with him. Have we talked about your preferences for people calling you daddy in the bedroom? Because this co- that comes up in this movie, and it's very uncomfortable. We've talked about it a lot. I'm uh, not a fan. Not a fan. I mean, we've talked about it at least as much as Todd's grandparents' references to the, uh, the, the play of Orphan Annie or the radio show or whatever he's referencing over there. Did you never watch? Watch Annie. There's like a Disney movie. Annie. It's like very famous. You know what I watch? Pippi Longstockings. That's what I watch. That's older than Annie. Annie was like in the 80s. It's also a musical I don't particularly care for. Yeah. I mean, I don't love it, but everyone knows who Daddy Warbucks is, right? Yeah. Daddy. Daddy (laughs) I don't love it, Paige. I don't love it. Good. I'm glad we're all on the same page. Anyway, we cut to... Because they haven't gone to the orphanage yet. They're still, this is still her day before they do it. She sits down to kind of tuck Max into bed. Max is Maxine, their daughter, who is deaf. And is basically signing to her uh, about the daughter that they lost. So it's kind of clear that it is known in the family. They've talked to their kids about it. Yeah. They have kind of grieved as a group. Honestly, it's really sad. Like, she is talking about, like, is, uh, was it Jessica was the the baby? Jessica. The baby. Yeah. um, Is she going to be an angel? And, like, yeah, she's a beautiful angel. No, she's not, because angels are not people. But that doesn't mean that baby Jessica's not in heaven. It's just. It depends on your religion. (laughs) And romantic comedy preferences. It does, yes. Anytime they called her baby Jessica, I just thought of the one that got stuck in the well. Yes. So it was an odd choice. I think there are angels that are people, but I think they are like the cheap labor that comes into the country that like they're like, you know, at the meatpacking plant of heaven. This is why people think you have alt-right views. (laughs) <laughs> Nephilim are up there like they're taking our germs. I'm pro that when people are like taking our germs. We need to close the border. I'm like, okay, Jim, who lives down the street, you gonna go pick fruit? I mean, like, no, I'm like, you are get off your high horse. Yeah. Okay. They're not taking your job, which is I don't think anything but complain on Facebook. But you know what? I bet they could do great at it. 
the American dream. Someday you can complain on Facebook. Pick strawberries? I've got a bad back from, you know, being overweight. <laughs> I would cut that out or else you're going to get some mean comments. I probably will cut all of it out because, you know, I like to cut out Mikey's right wing views. Just cut back in and be like, well, after a right wing rant from Mikey, <laughs> we're back. It's not a rant. I just think, you know. If you have a workforce, you're not going to use your original <laughs> angels to do the crappy jobs. What are the crappy jobs in heaven? Cleaning up the glitter. What? <laughs> you know, for all the strip clubs in heaven. <laughs> now my mind is going crazy with possible strip clubs in heaven names. Oh, pearly gates. Hell yeah. <laughs> There's a whole factory where the halos are made. <laughs> by Foxconn. I do love how like Mikey's version of heaven is like London in the 1910s. Like some of it's real nice, but some of it's like shanty towns around small factories that make halos. No, it's just very clear that Mikey views heaven kind of like Santa and the North Pole, which is a magical place that somehow needs an enslaved workforce. <laughs> you know, because it's heaven. We're like, oh, the factory that makes halos. Why would you need a factory? Just snap and it's there. You're in heaven. Uh, angels were created to be slaves. That's a fact. They did not no, get they were created the free will. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, because they're not human. They're not created in God's image. No, they're That's not. That's why they have like 90 eyes. That's why they have to start off every conversation with fear not. I know I look hideous. Be but not afraid. Yeah. So God's Willy Wonka and angels are Loompa Loompas. That's closer to the truth. <laughs> when you die, you don't become an Oompa Loompa. You get turned into marshmallows in five seconds. Like that's what happens to you. I really would like to revisit a conversation we had off the podcast about. Okay. Can we just incorporate as a church so we can get tax exempt status? No. We are already creating our own dogma right now i don't think our new cpa would like that at all and i don't want to be in charge of anyone like that anyway so they they arrive at the orphanage her and peter sarsgaard not a sarsgaard just a sarsgaard at this <laughs> orphanage where cch pounder comes up and is just like i object come on in uh so i do like how she plays a nun Almost exactly the same as she plays an assistant DA. Is that what she was? Love it. Yeah. No, 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 no. She was a defense attorney. Always. That's what it was. That's what it was. You're right. You're right. She's Sorry. always a defense attorney. Yeah. And she, they were scared of her too because she was good at her job because she'd be like, am I right in assuming that you did not know that the package you had contained the murder weapon? And you're just like, <gasps> what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She was great. And she's great in this too. Yep. So... Uh, they go inside the house and there's a, a bunch of girls on the lawn and and it it seems to be that this is an all-girl orphanage yes of girls of kind of like a certain age and cch pounder does say like we're so excited you could finally come here deciding to adopt an older child is a big step but we're so happy that you're here to do it which is a thing because a lot of people want babies but honestly babies are more work yeah but you can Make them imprint upon you, you know, like Twilight. Dude, oh, you wait. don't. I know that you don't really don't know, know what that, that means within the context of Twilight. Oh, is that bad? Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, I remember yeah. now. I don't know. The baby imprints on Jacob, so when she turns 18, they get married. I'm sorry, what? <laughs> yeah. We, we just ruined it for time. I'm going to need 45 minutes to process that. Time out. Time out. I will, <laughs> let me give you the shortest 
the shortest rundown ever. Wait, no, don't don't tell me anything, Paige. I want it to be fresh, and I guarantee you all forget what you just said. Yeah, you'll forget two years from now when we get to that exactly. movie. Exactly. There's no way I'm going to remember this. Cut to two years from now, I'll be like, I fucking knew it. You guys I ruined it for it. me. <laughs> that baby had knowing eyes. <laughs> Actually, he's the one who imprints upon her. It's, oh, that's even worse. That's it's so creepy. Especially when you remember how Mormon Stephanie Myers is. You're just yeah. like, oh, no. But they do get married because she grows up faster than normal children. It's like a whole thing. <laughs> What? I'm not even scratching the surface of how weird that book is. Okay. (laughs) Anyway, so Peter Sarsgaard hears someone singing in the house and he kind of follows it up to one of the rooms where we see Esther painting and he kind of just sits down to talk to her. And I think in his mind, he's like, well, why isn't this girl at the party? Like, you know, or whatever. And she seems to be super talented as an artist or just like, okay, as an artist, but whatever. Uh, for She's great for a nine-year-old, terrible for a 33-year-old. Each story's a pain. Once she starts talking like that, like, each story's a painting and the tigers lost their children. And I'm like, that's not how children talk. <laughs> yeah, it would be like, and it's a tiger and it's green and there's leaves and I painted it. And also I have a crayon, but it's not the right color. Like yeah. that's instead, how a child. Instead she's like, the trauma of the tiger is vanished with the wind through the tree leaves. I'd be like, I ain't fucking adopting this kid. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This kid's insane. <laughs> this is like the Ari Aster of orphans. What's happening? <laughs> yeah, I want this kid to talk down to me for the rest of my life. Pretentious, yeah. <laughs> snobby kid. Grow up to sound like Werner Herzog, just like, <laughs> see if you look at the pain. The simpletons the, and the Arctic retreat for the summer. <laughs> it's a me, a Werner Herzog. <laughs> I do love... That every impression you start starts with, it's a me. That's how they say things in English. (laughs) Damn it, you speak English. No, no, I think that's a stretch. Um, (laughs) Sorry, I can't get over it's a me. (laughs) He loves bears. He's a man who loves bears. It's me, a wanna hug, and this man will get eaten by bears. <laughs> We've been talking for 75 minutes. I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. This shouldn't make me laugh that Time hard. Time will but slip I'm just... away <laughs> like the great northern lights in the Arctic. It's a me. Van a hot dog. If we contemplate the nature of death and the changing of the seasons and the stages of life that will ultimately come to a meaningless end, it's a me, Van a hot dog. Okay, okay. <laughs> This is what happens when we start recording late and we're all like a little slap happy by halfway through the recording. This is also what happens when we record like nine times in like 10 days. We've fought seven times. We've stopped recording eight times due to laughter. I'm like, the group chat is silent. We're just like, those two motherfuckers. I don't want to see them for like three days. If you ask me how my day is, I'm going to say fuck you. <laughs> no, the reason is because we had to bank a bunch of episodes though. Because we're taking like two weeks off. Well, you guys are. Give Jake yeah. his lunchbox. Uh, but he he said it's a me for her. 
I love that Jake loved that too. That's so fucking stupid. <laughs> oh, the only person that would love it more than the both of us is definitely Armand Torres. Yeah. Bears are mysterious like life. <laughs> They are hungry like we are for meaning. I was like, what it's, the fuck? Just show this dude can eat. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, so he looks at her okay painting as she tells some huge story about it. I love how you're like, this painting is basic as fuck. Basic as fuck. I, I thought it would have been really funny if she was like, it's about the tiger searching for her young and all this stuff. And he was just like. Honestly, it just looks like leaves. Like, he was just like, fuck your explanation. She's like. The mama tiger's lonely. We're going to paint in a happy little cub. And I was like, there's a reason all the other children are playing with this child. Yeah, she's got a weird afro, afro and she keeps like wiping her brush on her pants. It's like a whole thing. Oh, you guys didn't watch this guy? No, I mean, I get the Bob Ross reference, but I'm stuck in my head now because I think in this moment she was like, I want to fuck the ugly Skarsgård brother. And that's why she was like, I've got to get in with this family, right? That's I'm going to come thinking. to the defense of, <laughs> of non-Skarsgård, Peter Sarsgaard. I find him very boy next door cute. I have always found him cute. Yeah, okay. I mean, that's fair. But he like, there are hotter Skarsgaards. So like, you know, I get it. Because like, as a 33-year-old woman, yeah. I mean, <laughs> obviously. Who's your favorite orphan? Come on down to pick your favorite orphan. <laughs> Bruce Batman. Wayne. Batman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oliver. I think Oliver's my favorite oh, orphan. Oliver. Actually, I'm going to change my answer. The Artful Dodger is my favorite orphan. Oh, Artful Dodger's a cool orphan. Yeah. Artful Dodger always has those fingerless gloves. Hell yeah. I do anything, anything for you, Mikey. Anything, it's a me, a Mikey. Anything. Anything. Sorry. (laughs) I love that I'm singing to Mikey and he is just like looking at me like, if you'd shut up, we could finish this episode before midnight. (laughs) I don't know what you guys are talking about half the time. (laughs) I can't wait until we can do podcasting full time and then Paige and I force Mikey to watch a musical every week in the musical version featuring Mikey. I'm not ready for that level of anger. <laughs> I do think Mikey would quit that podcast after four episodes. Oh, yeah. No, I feel like there we should bring someone else in for that. But yeah, I, I don't think Mikey <laughs> would be friends with us if we did that. I like in this hypothetical, I've already been replaced. <laughs> well, only because you hate it. Well, that was the whole concept of this podcast. I know. It? I mean, Mikey, we're thrilled you're on board, honestly. Yeah, we're thrilled you're on board. Yeah. Only if we can do Spider-Man the musical. Into the dark or whatever? <laughs> yes, uh, the one that kept killing people. Yes. I, I don't know that there is a version of it viewable, but if there was, I'm 100% on board. And if that coward Bono wants to come on and talk about it, because he was he like wrote a bunch of music for it and was there for previews and shit. He did. Hell yeah, let's do it, Bono. Anyway, back to this movie. Yes. So eventually Vera Farmiga makes her way upstairs. She also meets Esther. They're kind of very, very charmed by her. Yeah. And CCH Pounder initially is like, uh, okay, great. Like, do you want a bag? Receipt? Yeah, okay, great. It's, it's BOGO today. It's BOGO today? <laughs> you can pick two others because it's like buy two, get one free. They treat mm-hmm. this orphanage like they treat boot shops on Broadway. Yeah. Actually, we have an Amazon Fresh system, so you just walk out. Yeah, you don't even have to pay. Like, we'll just bill your Prime account. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
That terrifies me. I am so here for that technology, though. Just like not even having to worry about it. I'm not because then I can never go on the run. <laughs> Have you seen Minority Report? I plan on maybe murdering someone in self-defense someday. Well, if it's self-defense, you'll be fine. That I mean, if they believe me, like you've seen The Fugitive. All I'm saying is like, I don't. I don't want people having my DNA if I if I can avoid it. I keep trying to give my DNA now, you know? I know, I Lady know. He keeps uh, jizzing on them 23 and me swabs, but nothing's coming back. Just 23 year old. Oh no. Are they attracted my... to the scent? Like why would it attract <laughs> them? What why would I attract them? No. Like moths to a flame. <laughs> the 23 year olds mm. stumbling, carrying their shoes in one hand like baby <laughs> deers in front of the hunter's gun. It's a me, me a Hartsock. I would love a Warner Hartsock documentary about my love life. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it'd be less depressing. Like, I know you wouldn't think so. But maybe at least getting to laugh at the crazy narration would help. (laughs) I would want it to be like overly dramatic. As she does not text him back and he contemplates the emptiness that is his living room. He ventures outside to snatch a salmon out of a local street. (laughs) Cars pass by in the night like chances that he once had at happiness. It's a me. Possibilities. (laughs) In this great film called Swipe Right for Warner (laughs) I do love that it's like a documentary series hosted by Werner Herzog, but like a nature documentary show hosted by that guy who does all the nature docs. I'm here for it. Anyway, so what we learn about her from CCH Pounder is she came there from Russia. She narrowly escaped a house fire. She's incredibly smart, very mature, but she's very meticulous about her ribbons on her neck and her wrists. She won't let us remove them. And Red flag. Yeah, well... But they're like, she's a dream to be around, but there are these specific things. On the way home, which I do think time passes because they do file paperwork. And she says, I'll get the paperwork started. I'll see you in three weeks. So it's implied that there's still time, I guess. They don't get to walk out with her that day. Like, can you gift wrap? Like, (laughs) (laughs) She came with ribbons. What else do you want? I know. She sort of is gift wrapped on some level. It's an extra $5 and it's going to be a two hour wait. Yes, I'll pick the girl dressed as an 1800s widow. I did think very briefly that she was a ghost that died in like 1830. We'll take the little ghost girl. We've got a haunted house coming up. I think it's going to really, really like sweeten the pot. That was actually before I saw the movie and just saw the poster. That's what I thought. And then when she started talking, I was like, oh, no, she has Benjamin Buttons. Like, that's what's happening. (laughs) Anyway. So we cut to uh, at least three weeks later. Yeah. And she's riding home in the car and she has practiced and learned sign language. So I think it's implied that they've met with her a couple times to tell her about the family and things like that. Yeah. And that that actually makes more sense that she's been practicing sign language for three weeks instead of like just on the car ride home. And like she's pretty fluent immediately in sign language. Yeah, well, I you also have to wonder because there are a lot of things that she kind of reveals through the movie that she already knows how to do and she's pretending that she doesn't. That is like true, paint, you're right. extremely sexually explicit paintings of Peter Sarsgaard. Oh, yeah. But I wondered if she already knew sign language. She might have, yeah. I mean, she clearly already knew piano and faked it, so that's fair. Yeah, although we do find out that their daughter, Max, can read lips very well. Yes. And so I think she also uses that to her advantage. Mm-hmm. I think so, too. Well, I mean, and we see... Yeah. The orphan, we see Esther use it for her advantage too. 
Right. An orphan named Esther is like pretty much like Todd's musical jokes demographic. Like that's who he's targeting. Oh, like they would like orphan jokes or they were like musical mm-hmm. jokes. Yeah. I don't think anyone likes those jokes. Wait, you don't think anyone likes my musical jokes? <laughs> no, I, I think if my grandmother was alive, she would have loved those references to whatever. And Esther is an old lady name. Got it. Mm-hmm. I mean, she is 33. Technically, everyone has biblical names except for Maxine. Yeah. Anyway, so they introduce her to Maxine, obviously, and Maxine seems to instantly take to her. And then they introduce her to Danny, who is not sold. No. Uh, They give her a tour of the house where she's like, oh my God, you have a piano. And she's like, would you like to learn to play? And she's like, "I've I've always wanted to learn to play. Couldn't find out. She can play. Oh, yeah. She's great. It's fine. Danny is not handling the introduction of a new sibling well. He's kind of mean to her. Okay. It's because the parents are bad parents. I don't necessarily know that this is bad. Your orphan new sister's first day home where you're giving her gifts and welcoming her is not an appropriate time to invite a couple of guys over to play Guitar Hero. I mean, that is true. I would agree with that. See, I thought those were cousins or something because the grandmother is there. There's other people in the house. I think it was like a welcome party. Oh, that wasn't super clear to me. She's opening presents. Yeah. And if she is, you get off the damn video game and you come into the living room like the rest of the family. Yeah, that is true. I I will give you that. Yes. And she does get an easel so that she can continue to paint. Here's a blacklight kit. We're really hip here in this household. I thought the blacklight was part of the um, uh, aquarium. Black Backlight paint. Do they give her the blacklight paint? Well, she's got to get it somewhere, right? I assume they were just buying her whatever paint she wanted because they had the easel that like... But the room is blacklit completely. Like, it's not just from the fish tank. Well, he does tip it up out of the fish tank, so it kind of illuminates all the walls. Okay. I just thought they, like, went to Spencer's Gifts or whatever. I just thought this was the <laughs> longest episode of Room Raiders. God. <laughs> Bring back that stuff. So, we cut to Danny, the son's paintball cabin, where he's got a porno mag, and he's like, page 34 will change your life. And they're like, that looks like your mom. <laughs> and he's like, no, it doesn't. Um, also, this kid, he goes on to play young Captain Kirk in the newer Star Trek movies. Okay. Yeah. But I mean, I, if Esther was in this scene with them, she would have been like, uh, Oedipus much, nerd. I mean, and they'd yeah. be like, you're not nine, you're 30. Like, we all know yeah. you're 30 years old. Calm down. She's like, I'm old enough to be your mother. I mean, there are a lot <laughs> of things where though. she's like, yeah, where she's like, stop yelling at me like I, I'm a child. And Peter Sarsgaard doesn't immediately go like, you are a child. <laughs> like, what a, that's why I won't have sex with you. Anyway, so, I mean, he doesn't. He actively no, does not. It's so weird. I'm like, Ugh. I hated that scene so much. I, and I honestly was not relieved when I found out she was actually 33 because I was like, well, the actress was still 12 and that makes me uncomfortable. Anyway, whatever. Oh, yeah, for sure. They actually trimmed that scene down considerably. Okay. I mean, because she was Oh, younger I don't like that. Whatever. Don't like that. You mean like they didn't film it from what was on the script? They didn't film it. Okay, okay, oh, yeah. Oh, okay. That, that, that makes, makes me, me happy. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, the, the, the original scripted version was supposed to be considerably longer and more sexually explicit, but mm. obviously once, you know, you cast a minor, Ugh. that can't happen, so. Yeah, good. It was, it was considerably trimmed down it's still oof magoo it is yeah it's uncomfortable i did not like it i did appreciate that well we'll talk about it when we get to that okay we'll, yeah, yeah yeah when we get there anyway so we see kind of almost like a montage of like her and maxine playing and the kids playing outside in the snow 
And we cut to their mom or the grandmother has stayed for a while. Yeah. And this might be the same day. It might be a couple days later. I'm not entirely sure. But uh, the grandmother is just like, oh, uh, how do you feel about them playing? Is Maxine scared of the pond? Like she's hinting at something else that has happened, which we will find out about a little bit later. Yeah. But essentially what happened is that she passed out drunk. Maxine was playing outside and almost drowned in the pond. John, her husband, rescues her from the pond. But as a result, she has lost her hearing from going into the pond. Yeah. Mm. And of course, she feels an immense amount of guilt for that. I'm oh, sure. yeah. You know, anyway. So we cut to later. She's writing kind of in her journal about, you know, that they you know have a new daughter. They get her tucked in. And what we've seen kind of previously in the movie is that uh, Peter Sarsgaard's character has kind of tried to initiate sex. And she's been like, no. Uh, and so in this scene, she's like, oh, hey, I'm going to crawl up under them covers and get a blur Uh-huh. And no sooner have they, like, started to kind of, like, really get into it that I think Esther can maybe hear them from her room. Yeah. Where she's awake. I think so. Yeah. She, like, sabotages them. Yeah. She wakes up Maxine and is like, the storm is scary. I, like, we want to sleep in bed with you. I want to sleep in the bed with daddy on daddy's side. And you're just like, especially if you know the twist and you're like, she's actually 33. Like, yeah, I didn't know that, but I was like, Oh, I don't like this because they were just doing it. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You're going to have to give me a beat. Like I'm going to go to the bathroom or whatever. Like, (laughs) yes. Like it's implied that they did not get to finish. So like, Yeah. yeah. Anyway, we cut to the next day where they're all getting ready for school. She gets dressed and she's dressed almost like a doll, like a very prim and proper dress. Yeah. And Vera Farmiga is like, hey, we bought you jeans and stuff. Do you want to just wear it? Like, you might not be this comfortable. And she's like, there's nothing wrong with being different. And she's like, you know what? You're right. That's what you told me, mommy, at the orphanage. And I was like, I'm not going to be out logic by you, you little shit. You're going back to the (laughs) orphanage. Put the jeans on. I do love that Kate, which I think is her name in the movie, I think she handles it well. She's like, yeah, you're absolutely right. That's fine. But in my mind, what she was saying was like, all right, you can get bullied all you want. That's fine. (laughs) Well, I started, I was trying to think of like what part of her game the dresses were because she does wear jeans later in the movie. Yeah. Once her, once the ruse is over. And I think the dresses add to the illusion of her being a little girl. Like that it they deliberately appear childish. I think so. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think here's the thing. I don't think she looks much older in jeans, but maybe she thinks she does. Who knows? She definitely doesn't. She looks 12 this entire movie. Yes. Uh, because she is. Yeah. So we cut to school where she gets introduced and the kids instantly bully her and the teacher just stands there and is like, oh, well, all right, find a seat. <laughs> it's funny, though, because the, she like walks in and the teacher's like, hey, class, this is Esther. Everyone be very nice to Esther. And then immediately someone goes, "Um, I don't know, some 1830s ghost called. They want their clothes back or whatever. <laughs> right. And like the teacher like looks down at Esther and like doesn't say anything to the student, almost like. I mean, you did dress like that, you idiot. Let's yeah. go to your seat. Instead of being like, that was very unkind, go to the principal's <laughs> office. Right? They're like, what? I don't get paid for this. If you guys want to bully each other, it's basically <laughs> the Hunger Games in public school. No, 
controlling the classroom is part of the job and those children are in your care. And if you have the ability to prevent bullying, you should. But if you're going to dress <laughs> like you're about to need to go on the lifeboat of the Titanic, the teacher probably feel that she needs to, you know, to be adjusted. Terrible take. <laughs> I do love that Mikey's take is some people need to get bullied into wearing jeans. No, I'm not saying that. <laughs> I'm saying some teachers let bullying happen. It's awful. I see kids who are bullied every day. It's an awful thing. I mean, I do think it's the great that the teacher more or less is like, you do be dressing weird though, lady. Like, sit out. <laughs> yeah, like, I don't know if you've seen yourself, but... <laughs> <laughs> but you're 30. We also, could, yeah. There was like two, there was like so many jokes you could have made towards that girl. Like, what, did you steal your dress from an all-American girl doll on the way to school? I mean, like, there's like... <laughs> <laughs> Mikey literally reading off his notepad like he made a lot of notes about this <laughs> Samantha called she wants her outfit back yeah she wears very Samantha I clothes. do declare your dress is very pretty today Samantha was never my favorite American girl so I don't remember like where she lived or anything but it is very frankly Esther I don't give a damn kind of clothing on her a little bit it's very orphan Annie <laughs> anyway we cut to later where She's home from school and she and Max are playing on the pond and Vera Farmiga freaks the fuck out. Yeah. Like runs out and yells at them like, you know, you can't play on the pond. Get away from the pond. Yep. While they're doing that and playing outside, her brother is shooting paintballs at targets and shoots a bird. Oh, my God. Yeah. My first thought was like, this kid might be a murderer. But then he goes to the bird and sees that the bird is hurt and he's really upset. Yeah, I do believe that he thought it wouldn't hurt it. Like, yeah, based on the performance, right? The way that it doesn't hurt humans. Yeah, yes. I guess. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, clearly that bird was like messed up because it's a bird that was hit with a paintball like it was shot. Yeah, exactly. And so Esther comes over and is like well you heard it so it's your responsibility to put it out of its pain basically you have to kill it yeah it's your responsibility and he can't do it yeah so she smashes it with a brick i wish they hadn't shown that i really wish they hadn't shown that well there was a, a plot point that gets cut out you probably noticed there's a, a just a cutaway shot where they have a guinea pig oh my god yeah did she kill the guinea pig yes there, there was a there was a plot point that was in the script that never gets shot i don't think where she kills a hamster. Okay. And there we'll find that she has like a history of killing animals because she is a serial killer. Like it is. Yeah. It's very McDonald triad is like what they're going for. Yeah. E even though that has been discredited over time. But like their violence towards animals, which again is usually an indicator of severe trauma and abuse in a child's past. If it is a child. I mean, this is an adult, but whatever. Anyway, so that gets cut out. Yeah, okay. I mean, the movie's long already. I mean, it's not, like, dragging. It's two hours long, but it's paced fine. Like, it doesn't drag at all. It's super interesting. But I could see if you had more stuff going on, it could be long. Yeah, I mean, I bet they cut out all the things they needed to cut out to make the pacing where it needed to be. But yeah, I bet yeah. this was like a two hour, 30 minute movie and it just didn't need to be, right? Right. Not a twist movie, you know? Right. Yeah. And and I don't know what else you would cut out to, to replace, you know, if you wanted to keep the runtime at two hours or under. Sure. Which for a movie like this, you absolutely should. Although, I mean, it would have been really long if you added an extra 30 to this. It would be, yeah. Anyway, uh, so... She's taking a bath and insists on locking the door. And what we don't know, we will find out later, is that she's binding her breasts. So that's why she doesn't want anyone seeing her bathe. That makes sense. I also thought it was because yeah. the scars, right? Yes. She would probably yeah. presumably take those off too. Right. Uh, the ribbons so you could see the scars. Yeah. Yep. So 
they make an agreement that she'll sing to let her know she's okay. So while she's in the bath, Kate goes through her drawers and she's just like putting laundry away. But this is where she first finds the Bible and the one picture of a guy in her Bible that we will find out is important later. So, and it seems like she sneaks up on her, but she doesn't. She's like looking out the bathroom door, but she clearly knows that Kate's been going through her things. Yeah. So we cut to school the next day and she's getting actively bullied and specifically bullied for religious reasons because yeah. she has a Bible with her, which here's the thing. I don't like it when anyone of any religion gets bullied for their religion. It's not great. So like it's bad all the way around. Just let her have her thing and leave her alone. I did think it was pretty sad, especially because her now brother is like in on it and like, yes. she's not my sister. Like that would be devastating. I mean, I realize that yeah. she's a 33 year old murderer, but like if that was actually a child, not some middle-aged woman trying to fuck yes. that child's dad like I would feel bad <laughs> for that nine-year-old you know what I'm saying do you think she thought he was an extra scars guard <laughs> I think that yes I think the only reason he gets killed is because she was like wait you're not a scars guard fuck this where's the knife i can't believe that you were today years old when you learned that he was not a scars guard but was in fact a sars guard i have to admit the amount i care about sars or scars guards it's very little. So like, yeah, I just didn't know. I, I honestly had never looked into it and their names sound similar and they, you know, they're like basic white dudes, whatever. It's fine. Yeah, but they don't look anything alike and you're like, well, yeah, that's clearly the other one. It's fine. Look, bullying is never funny. It's, it's awful. It's sadistic. It's terrible. The way that it is portrayed in this movie, though, is a little funny because it's like overtly <laughs> bullying, like yes. a PSA. Yeah. They're like, a Bible? You're a Christian? And then they like rip it up and you're like, Jesus. It is like an after school special, but if that after school special was produced by the Mormon church. Yes. Yes. Except I guess it would have been a Book of Mormon, not a Bible. But, you, you know, it's the same vibe. You know what I'm saying? This is what they think of us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, she's learning how to play piano. Okay. And she's making mistakes. And she's like, I'm so sorry. I'll do better next time. Right. In all fairness to her, she does do better next time. <laughs> yeah, she was right. Uh, Vera Farmiga gives her a journal that's basically a scrapbook yeah. of kind of their family. Although, knowing the twist, I was like, is this basically just going to become this lady's spank bank? Oh, it sort of is, though, right? And we established that it looks exactly like Vera Farmiga's, which is how she's able to make the switch later. Yeah. Anyway, she really is trying to kind of connect with her. And she's like, your teacher told me what happened today. Do you want to talk about it? Just, you know, I'm here for you, of course. And she asks her about Jessica. And this is where she shows her the rose bush that has the little plaque where they basically planted her ashes so they would grow with the roses it's honestly super sweet when we see what happens to it i was like rage i was like i can't oh my god i would have slapped that kid across the Save kitchen floor like, she did need to be bullied <laughs> okay and i am not like a horticulturist at all like i have the worst green thumb ever are those roses like dead ass dead or would they come back? No, okay. no, no, no. They, they, I, well, mm, uh, roses are temperamental. And they are trimmed like pretty far down, although that may be common. Like I truly have no idea. Yeah, I, I don't know. There are still leaves there so maybe it's not a complete loss like okay. start over yeah and and again I, I i don't advocate slapping children this is an adult yes. <laughs> don't worry what they'll do is they'll mix that with her dad's ashes and make new plants <laughs> 
No, Honestly, I think they have to put her dad that, on like though. a boat with like <laughs> coins and yeah. light it on fire. He's not a scars guard. They wouldn't do that, Paige. He's Kroger brand. <laughs> <laughs> he is the Costco version. He's the Kirkland Select scars guard. Peter Sarsgaard. And you know what? I'm a Costco member. Let's Same. Do Honestly, I was there yesterday buying Christmas shit. It was awesome. Oh, God. I was, too. It was a freaking nightmare i don't know what i was thinking going to costco on a weekend in december anyway yeah same. so she is talking to him after all the kids have gone to sleep or at least they believe the kids have gone to sleep and she's like hey esther kind of started to open up i think this is really great and he kind of starts to initiate fooling around and they do and it's honestly fucking hot like i was here for this yeah but they have three kids in the house like they should not be yeah, fucking in their kitchen no they should not be fucking in their kitchen. Like that is, it's the same rules as if you have like roommates. Like I'm not gonna like fuck someone in the kitchen while my roommates in the next room. Like that is. So you're saying that you don't want to oh, put moose tracks so up in boring. a lady? <laughs> no, no. Well, here, here's uh, allow me to play devil's advocate. All the right. children's bedrooms are all upstairs. Where are they more likely to hear you? In the bedroom closer to them or the kitchen far away? But they they have open access to the kitchen, right? So at any moment, one of them could come down because the picture in her book isn't enough and she hears her daddy grunting in the kitchen, babe. <laughs> I mean, that is basically what happens. Yes. But not none of the like kid kids, just like the kid that's also an adult that's like, well, that sounds like sex. Pardon me. <laughs> I'm going to have to go get some water for the spank bank or whatever. Water? Yeah, like she has to go to the kitchen to get water so she can watch them fucking for her spank bank. You got to get it when you can get it. Yeah, no, that I'm with Mikey on this one. If you got kids, you got to get it where you can get it. Mm -hmm. And more power to you. Don't take the high road of Todd being like, oh, I needed to go to the panic room to have the, the relations. No, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying don't fuck in front of your children. I don't feel like that's a weird thing to say. That is not what we said at all. You were like, they might wake up. Well, clearly they're not asleep, Mikey. One of them walks in on them. The adult one who's lying and probably waiting. Yes. Yeah, but like if she could hear them having sex, so were their naturally born children. And like they could, like they just don't come downstairs because they've already made that mistake. You know what I'm saying? No, I think that Esther is staying up and waiting. Like I think she's like poking around at night hoping to mess with their shit. Because I think she's trying to interrupt them every time so they never get to finish. So she is like cock blocking the SARS yes. guards. So like, yeah. yes, because so she, she so wants he'll be like to get super in there. Horny? Oh, my God. I hate this movie. I think that's part of the manipulation. You know, that's insane. Yeah. I, I mean, I love that reading, but that's insane. Also, don't fuck in front of your kids, weirdos. They're not trying to fuck in front of their kids. But that's the consequence of fucking in the kitchen loudly. That's so that this is such a wild take. They are not being loud. They are being a normal amount of sex volume. And I'm with Mikey. Get it where you can get it. And like if you're not intentionally trying to fuck in front of your kids, it's your damn house. Fuck wherever you want where your kids are asleep. Just try to be careful. Mistakes happen. 
what can you do? Yeah, like she's not mur- moaning Myrtle down there. They're just having normal sex, like in normal the dorm room. sex. I mean, if you're having sex, it's making some sounds though. Like sure, but like they are tons of square footage away from the people who could hear it. And if they were in the bedroom, they would actually be closer, and people would hear it more. I don't know the layout of that house. No, we're just speculating on that. Although I do think that Esther was like, okay, they're either fucking or we're having a roast and they're tenderizing meat for tomorrow. I am not sure, but I am definitely going to investigate. <laughs> Way. <laughs> gonna go check it out i think at <laughs> night is her time to like sneak around the house too so i think that this sure. is not the only thing that she's like she's skittering around like a tiny spider yeah she was like learning the floor plan and that's seeing her parents quote unquote have sex was just a bonus yeah 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 bonus gross <laughs> whatever i'm with mikey i'm with mikey i don't see any errors here it's like a dominance thing you want your kids to see you having sex You're like this is my house yeah, most of my friends were kids. They'll be like, oh, we put them in the bath. Like, we just had a quickie while they were in the bath. I'm like, Jesus. All right, we'll do what you got to do. I mean, that seems dangerous because drowning. But <laughs> I like, know, you know, right? Whatever. Like, that seems a little worse to me. Well, I, that also depends on the age of the child. Yeah. Like, are they six months or are they seven? Right? I feel like that's a different <laughs> scenario, right? Right, right, right. Well, I think a seven-month-old is not much better of a swimmer than a six-month-old. No, seven years old, Mikey. Six months or seven years old. Here's, here's why I will also argue throughout history most people lived all in the same room with their family by the way no i know i know but listen just because people in the 1830s fucked in the same room as their kids doesn't mean we should do it now um i will argue modern day some people still have to do this because of their current financial situation maybe yeah that's sad but okay but that's not this situation with this big ass house in the woods not they have a beautiful room to go fucking. Thank you for agreeing with me, Mikey. No, I don't. Listen, just because you only fuck in one room of the house because you're like Mormon or whatever. No, I fu- fuck everywhere in my house because it's my house and I don't have kids. Do you fuck in front of your pets, Todd? Yes. Yeah, same thing. They're watching. No, the cats leave the room and the dogs are not interested. Maybe you're not doing it right. Did you get them fixed? <laughs> not fucking my dogs guys calm down if your sex is boring your pets is it even sex (laughs) (laughs) i don't want my sex to be turning on my pets not turning on just intriguing yeah no i'm kidding we put mccready out of the room yeah no you have to because because there's nothing weirder than like looking up and like your dogs just stare back at you you're like get the fuck out of this room (laughs) that has happened where we thought mccready was in the living room things got started and then we looked up and he was just standing there looking at us. We were like, uh, hold up. <laughs> Let us escort you from the chamber. Have you fucked in your kitchen? Yes. Literally, there is no place in this house I have not had sex. I mean, I don't understand why you're you're harsh in these people's buzz. Because they have kids asleep in a room that is publicly available. It doesn't mean you give up being adults. I, I mean, know. like, oh my God. And it's like, it's implied that it's like 2 a.m. when they're doing this. It's not 2 a.m. It's like 8.30. But for the record, I don't care if you guys do it. I just don't think I'd do it. I mean, that's, that's fine for you to be boring, but like... I'm going to do it. I'm going to fuck in that kitchen. <laughs> but you don't have kids, Paige. Like, it'd be fine. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. If it's too, if it's like midnight. It was not midnight. It was not Have midnight. sex where you want to have sex. It, it is late and all of the lights are off. Yes, that it is late. All the lights are off and the kids have been asleep for a while. 
Uh, my kitchen has many windows that face out into the back parking lot of our apartment complex. Nice. So I might have to think about the logistics of this, but. So what you're saying is you're fine to fuck in front of your children, but not your neighbors. Oh, yeah. No, uh, I don't like those people. <laughs> they don't get a free show. And again, the children were asleep. Mikey and I are united on this front. That's fine. But we know the kids weren't asleep because one of them walks in. First of all, she's not a kid. She is plotting. And she is actively trying to cock block them. I mean, that's fair. Their kids ain't up. Their kids ain't interrupting them unless she is involved. Yeah. Their kids know when the kitchen's are rocking to not come a knock. <laughs> so Esther walks in on them. While they're fucking in the kitchen. Yeah. Cock blocking. And obviously they're like, well, now we have to address this. So the next day yeah. she goes in and she's like, we have to talk about last night. And, and Esther's like, no, we don't. And she's like, no, we do. Because when grownups love each other, like... Children aren't supposed to see it, but like you try to show each other how you love each other. And she's like, and she's like, mom, calm down. I'm nine. I know adults fuck. Yeah. Like grownups fuck. I get it. And she's just like, um, what? And immediately <laughs> goes to Sarsgaard's drafting office studio. And is just like, so she knows and uses the word fuck correctly. Right. Uh, she is nine. What are we going to do about that? And he's like, eh, she probably heard it on the playground. And she's like, mm mm. No, this is probably bad. This is like a trauma level understanding of the word. Right. Yes. And so she's like, I just want to take her to the therapist. And he's like, no, like, don't like, don't do that. And part of me is like, well, she just got adopted. Like, of course, take her to a therapist. Like, you want to make sure she's okay, right? Like, you want to make sure she's adjusting? Yeah, they're <laughs> like, like, no, she's got no trauma. She's like a 14-year-old adoptee. Like, obviously, she has no issues at all. <laughs> I have more issues emotionally about way smaller stuff that I have to go to therapy for. I'm like, and they stole my lunch that one time out of the <laughs> kitchen because they didn't know it was mine. And I'm so mad about it. And I can't, <laughs> I can't move on. I'm never getting that cheesecake back. Exactly. It was my <laughs> birthday cake at the office. They ate it. The next day, it was still my birthday cake. Anyway. <laughs> Mikey needs to work through that birthday cake drama. Yeah. And he talks her out of taking her in, right? Yeah. Which is crazy. Like, there's no yeah. reason to, at this point, not believe everything that she is saying. His wife, Kate, is saying to him. Right. I'm not sure there's ever a moment to not believe her, but... They're certainly not here. Yeah, certainly not here. But there is something. They do do something in this scene that I actually kind of like because it reminds me of my marriage a little bit where she <laughs> he's like, it's maybe they, she grew up in a house where they just said pass the fucking potatoes. Like, who knows? We don't know about her. And she just says, well, fucking spend some time with her then. And he goes, all right, bitch. And I'm like, that's exactly how my husband and I would have this conversation <laughs> is just start swearing at each other for fun. I love that for you, too. Thank you. This is Mikey from Horror Virgin. I practiced this ad for Factor in my car today. <laughs> Can you show us what you practiced? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mikey from Horror Virgin here. <laughs> Talk about Factor. <laughs> Nailed it. I have used Factor on and off the last couple of years, uh, especially since 2020. My work is very busy. I have a very busy day job. He does. I have a very busy hobby uh -huh. slash second job called podcasting. <laughs> yeah, it's so much work for you. <laughs> Eating healthy is hard. Cooking, I'm single. <laughs> Cooking single is hard. And I've loved Factor. Other people, they ship you ingredients. You have to cook them. It takes a long time. Factor. They ship you fresh, never frozen meals. And it always only takes two minutes, which is like my favorite thing. I never have to think about how long it has to go in the microwave. It's two minutes. That's what my dating profile says. Always two minutes. <laughs> <laughs> it's helped me eat healthier, though. They have a bunch of like dietary options, like low calorie or protein or keto. Is it keto? Keto? K 
Kenta. Mikey, you said it wrong so many times. I'm not sure if I remember how to say it right. It's keto, right? Keto. No, it's keto. It's keto. But anyway, Factor's amazing. So just head to factormeals.com slash horrorvirgin50 and use code horrorvirgin50 to get how much percentage off, Mikey? Were you paying attention? 50. Damn. 50% off. Literally half off. That's code horrorvirgin50 at factormeals.com slash horrorvirgin50 to get 50% off. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Uh, anyway, we cut to the park where the mean girl from school is there. And as Esther is kind of watching her, one of the like other moms comes up and she's like, I haven't seen you around lately. And I, I felt like it was obvious from like the jump that they fucked. Oh, yeah. I got that vibe, too. I don't think we get a confirmation, but there is some familiarity between the two of them. I think he fucked somebody else, but this chick was coming on pretty hard because he like heard that he's working with some stuff. You know what I'm saying? I mean, yeah, he's a SARS. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the same family, although she might be making that like she might be confused. Maybe too. she's yeah. confused. Yeah. She's like, can you introduce me to your brother, Alexander? Is that cool? I mean, like... can you, though? Uh, she's like, I have this chair that I need moved upstairs. So if you could like come by and help me with that sometime. I do think he handles it OK, because it's like, yeah, maybe Kate and I can drop by and help you with that. Yes. Uh, instead of being like, oh, yeah, I'll definitely help you move that chair uh, 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 that's going up the stairs <laughs> will you help me move a chair this chair is so heavy <laughs> but in his defense he's like yeah me and my wife could help you anytime you want which Absolutely. I was like oh he's going for the threesome <laughs> <laughs> I do love that like I thought he was like trying to like be like yeah my wife and I could help you with that I'm very married not interested Yeah. and Mikey's take was maybe he's trying to set up a threesome why not both <laughs> He's throwing it out there. Whatever. He's like, I'm going to be good and responsible unless she's like, maybe wants into it. Maybe my wife would agree, you know? Listen, if everyone in the party is consenting, I'm fine with that. But, like, that did not seem the vibe. Yeah. Well, and, and I do their conversation about it later where she's like, why didn't you just tell me when it happened? We would have laughed about it. Yeah. And I don't know if that's the case. I would hope so. My husband and I laugh about shit, shit like that all the time. I could see forgetting about it, but. I, I could. I could also see her thinking he was hiding it. Like, yeah. I, I understand, you know, it's it's a very grounded in reality argument, I would say. Anyway, so he steps away to smoke on the playground, which gives Esther a chance to push a girl off a slide. And that leg break is fucking brutal. It is, man. But she learned the lesson. Talk shit, get hit. <laughs> yeah, talk shit, hit ground. <laughs> <laughs> yeah break your leg on the slide yeah it was brutal yeah so we cut to dinner and they're like did you do it and she's just like no and what? even asks max max is like she slipped because max is like oh if i talk shit i'll get hit like she learns fast yeah and danny kind of lashes out at her and so they take they lock up his uh masturbatorium and take <laughs> the keys back yeah I mean, it's a treehouse that locks with pornography for a 12-year-old, a 13-year-old boy. 
Like, we know what he's doing up there. Or as Todd calls it, the only appropriate place for the family to the parents <laughs> to go have sex at night. That's why it's got locks, Mikey. So does their bedroom. You know what doesn't have a lock? The kitchen. You die on hills that are very interesting choices for me. I mean, ultimately, I don't care. Like I said earlier, like, you guys can fuck in front of your kids if you want. I'm not going to put myself in a situation where I'm going to fuck in front of my kids. This is all such a Although I will say this, in my younger days, uh, my girlfriend had a roommate, and we definitely fucked in their kitchen while they were home. So, Mm -hmm. I am a little bit of a hypocrite, but no one in the house was a child, and we definitely broke that trash can. What are you, raccoons? (laughs) (laughs) You can't be like, we broke a piece of furniture not typically reserved for sex. I've broken a bed, but like oh, I broke a, a trash bed too. can. Yeah, trash can. A foot went through it. It wasn't like a big deal. Like it was like a leverage <laughs> I have thing. Even more question. <laughs> I don't know if we have similar sex lives now. We don't, Mike. I don't. I don't think you did. I never thought no. that was the case. Ugh. Yeah. What I didn't think was that you were into Oscar the Grouch role playing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, her foot was on it for leverage, and it her foot went through the top of it. It wasn't like a crazy thing. Is it because she was too? short for the counter yes okay all right i all right i understand yeah fine i've seen pornos <laughs> anyway we cut to the grocery store and sister abigail calls uh cch C- 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 pounder yeah who's like hey we need her dental and medical records which also i was like why doesn't the orphanage have those yeah you would think the orphanage that was housing her for however long like a year or whatever would have that right right they would make her visit a doctor as a part of her like coming to america i think yeah i i don't know well i mean we know that she kind of faked her way there but like once she's there i imagine that she would have to yeah for like regular dental care but i mean she can't go to the dentist because she's wearing flippers uh you know like teeth covers she's wearing full dentures yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. and well she takes them out in their full dentures even though she's got full teeth so like oh that part was all wild to me yeah i'm like who did you pay to mold your teeth and then make dentures if you don't go to dentists on drag race they call them flippers that's why i call them that well (laughs) flippers are usually just the front portion that just click over your teeth oh that's true and these are like full like prosthetic looking things yeah Yeah. anyway so she kind of walks away to talk to cch pounder and esther gets max to read her lips yeah and tell her what what they're talking about But at this point, there's not much indication that anything's wrong. Like, she's sort of blending in well. Like, that seems the vibe so far. Right. Until we cut back to the house. And it's almost like Esther has taken this as a challenge. Because she is now playing full, like, piano concertos with no mistakes. Yeah. And when she gets confronted about it, when Vera Farmiga's like, what the fuck? You were lying to me this whole time? She's just like, oh, you know, I felt sorry for you because you have a son who isn't interested in a daughter who can't even hear. And you're like, whoa, bitch. Like, good Lord. What? <laughs> this chick is brutal. Did you bring ointment for the birds? What the fuck? I'm going to take you right back to the orphan store, little lady. <laughs> I kept the receipts. We cut to her and Sarsgaard. And she's like, she's been lying this whole time. She threw a fit at school. I think she pushed that girl. Like, I don't know. It was weird. And he's like, it was probably just an accident. And she's like, was it an accident what she told me about you and Joyce Patterson? And he's like, what are you talking about? Like, I she hit on me, but I said no. And then we came home. Like, it was nothing. She's like, well, then why'd you hide it? And he's like, I don't, I didn't even think about it. Like, it wasn't a yes. So I wasn't going to talk about it. Yeah, like, I sort of blew her off and he sort of did like, Although it does come out that he has cheated before and they both made mistakes and all that stuff. Like, yeah, that does come out in this scene. Well, I think it I think it's 
pretty fucked up. They do the classical couples fight thing where like, let's throw every major problem yeah. we've ever had. People in the last do that, man. Years into the thing. So like she brings up his past cheating. He brings up her alcoholism and then like right. it just degrades. Keep your argument about what you're fighting about in the moment. Yeah. yeah I, I also think that like, and, and I know that there's the whole thing with, with Max, which complicates it but i'm just like dude she she went through fucking trauma and then drank a bit and then got sober and has been working to stay sober yeah do not throw that in her face like come on like actively try to help her stay sober like that's how you're a good partner to somebody that's who that is in that situation and by like putting her through a cycle of shame about it that is not gonna that's not gonna help and also he cheated like that's different. He cheated and lied about it for six years or something like that. Like eight years. Yeah, yeah. So it was cheating and then lying for years about it. Uh, and he is like throwing something that I think is on a completely different level in her face about it all. Yeah. Well, and okay. So here's the timeline too. So like he cheated ten years ago. He only told her about it two years ago, right around the time that she went through her horrifically traumatic pregnancy experience. Yeah essentially and then started drinking so i'm like so you mean to tell me that like you admitting to cheating on her she goes through this traumatic thing of course she's gonna drink that's kind of a normal response like you know i get that she then has a problem and then corrects it but i'm like you added to that like throwing this in her face i at this point i was like i don't care how cute you are or your brothers (laughs) (laughs) you shouldn't judge a person based on one negative thing they've done yeah yeah but like yeah, yeah. that you're definitely like Ugh. like if that is their pattern it's like you guys are not good like well i mean good. this is definitely the start of peter sarsgaard not being a Skarsgård and like being an asshole to his wife like right. well i mean there's a reason why she's not the saddest at the end when he's dead i do think she does go through like a realistic sort of like ah shit they're probably gonna assume this is me but like it's fine he was sort of a bad dude so whatever i mean he he makes a hard villain turn does, after yeah. this point like hard villain turn yeah so we cut to the next day and they seem to have kind of at least resolved this argument but things are still tense cch pounder comes over and is like hey we found some troubling things in this girl's past (laughs) and we're trying to find more information we may have made a mistake this is not good uh we think that she may have hurt other people so you need to tell me what's going on And he then downplays everything that has happened, even though it is clear that things are not good. Yeah. Um, But what he does agree to is taking her to Dr. Browning. So as they're talking, Esther enlists Max to be like, you've got to help me. This one's going to take me away. Let's go. So she like packs up a gun and a hammer and they wait for Sister Abigail to leave. And then as she's driving, she just pushes Max into the middle of the road because I feel yeah. Max is expendable to her. Oh, yeah. Like she would have been fine if Max died. I fully thought Max might die here. And I don't think I mean, she barely gets missed by CCH Pounder driving the car. Yeah. And I don't think Esther really gave a shit either way. No. And then she goes to try and like as CCH Pounder, of course, gets out of the car and is like, oh, my God, Max, are you OK? You know, like she knows this kid or whatever. Yeah. Literally, Esther just comes up and tries to finish her off with a fucking hammer. And it is brutal. I mean, and does like hits her in the head, 
CCH like pounders down to the ground and they drag her. Right. I do love that the scene where Esther's like, listen, bitch, you're already an accessory after the fact. Grab a foot and like, yeah, and, like, yeah, like yeah. drag her yeah. off the road. And she's like, I'm seven. I don't know any of this. Uh, I know. It was so wild. They're like, you can't tell anybody because the cops will come get you too. And I was like, I don't think that that's true. No, yeah. not at all. Not at all. Especially when they find out that one of them's an adult. Yeah. And I, I, I get that she's seven and she probably would believe that because she's been through something that right. was like super dramatic but i was like nah you'll be fine kid yeah they do hide all the murder weapons and the clothes that she was wearing yeah in the uh, treehouse masturbation shed right and she basically is like you tell anybody i'll fuck you up but also i won't let anything bad happen to you even though max is like you tricked me like you just pushed me in front of a car like and i think from this point on max is suspicious of her but doesn't think she can ask for help because I think and and realistically she might be in danger if she asks for help. Yeah. Because everyone still thinks this is a child. Well, she does get the gun out and she's like, you want to play Russian roulette? Yeah. Fuck. <laughs> Actually, where we're from, we just call it roulette. Anyway, <laughs> uh, Daniel sees them come down from the treehouse. He doesn't see the murder or anything, but she notices that Daniel has seen them. So we cut to that night and she threatens to slit his throat with a box cutter. And he's like, I didn't see anything. She's like, good, because if you tell anybody, I'm going to cut your fucking dick off. And he pees his pants because that's fucking terrifying. That's insane. Oh, man, I was so blown away by just how insanely brazen this is. Because, like, yeah. I'm shocked that he didn't tell his parents. Like, I definitely would have told my parents. I think he was about to. Like, I, th I think if he had, f if she had not beat him to the punch with the treehouse he would have okay and th and that's like not long after this where he that does not yeah. lay low for long but uh, we cut to the therapist's office and this is where she's like yeah no her past is fine she's good but you're being a bitch to her <laughs> <laughs> that very much is the vibe she was like hey i talked to this child for 15 minutes and it's clear she's cool as fuck and you're a huge bitch so like what's yeah. the deal mom so they drive home and, and and the whole time Peter Sarsgaard's like, see, I fucking told you. Like, he's not supporting her at all. It's like an insane amount of like, I knew you were the problem in all of this. Like, it right. is so <laughs> gross. It is wild. And as they get home, she's like, thanks for having my back in there. And he's like, it was your idea to take her to the shrink, not me. And I'm just like, whoa. What? Yeah, I was like, whoa. What the fuck? I'm, I'm about to crotch kick you out of this car. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. So as they leave to go inside, she gets a call from one of the other sisters at the orphanage that's like, hey, CCH Pounder never made it back and we have a court case tomorrow. Yeah. Like, where is she? And so they call the police. They find her body. I don't know, man. I think she might be dead, 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 dead. So we cut to upstairs as you know the investigation everything's going on downstairs esther is upstairs turning the black light on and off yeah and we see that her painting is not such an innocent painting they are terrifying black light paintings but we cut to the next day yeah where vera farmiga is like i am not satisfied with the psychiatrist answer i am looking up children who kill and falling down a terrifying rabbit hole of articles. Yeah. Anyway, she pulls all this up for Peter Sarsgaard and is like, she is manipulating us. Like all of these things that have happened, like all of these signs, like we need to get a second opinion. Essentially, this is something she's like, I'm not going to see that therapist anymore, given the way that she treated me in that session. Yeah, absolutely. Shouldn't see that therapist anymore. Yeah. Psychiatrist. Psychiatrist. Sorry. Yeah. 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 
But also, we need to find somebody to talk to. Like, we need to call the orphanage. We need to figure some shit out. And he's like, do you need help from the kid for the kids? Are you tired or whatever? And she's just like, everyone is getting the benefit of the doubt from you except for me. Which is absolutely true. Yeah, absolutely true. She's like, I don't need help. You're not listening to me. I just need to find out who she is. And maybe Sister Abigail is right. I'm going to contact the orphanage. So we cut to the next day or no, I'm sorry. We cut to she gets a phone call where they inform her the Russian orphanage she says she came from has never heard of her. And she's like, what are you talking yeah. about? Uh, then we cut to the next day where she's supposed to go to the dentist's office. And she does that like pop out and scare him thing. And she's like, I don't want to go. And he's like, we'll reschedule. It's fine. Yeah. Which he should have just made her go. But like, whatever. But that meant that Kate is alone with the other two taking them to school. And she asks like, has anything fucked up happened? Basically yeah. like, you need to tell me. And they both say no. They're like, no, of course not. Yeah, of course not. But we cut back to her and Peter Sarsgaard where she's like, I don't think mommy loves me. And he's like, you're a part of the family. You should do something nice for her to show her how much you love her. So we cut to later that night. She shows up and she has cut all of the roses from the memorial rose bush. Yeah, from Jessica's rose bush. Yes. Ugh. And we know because we saw her walk her through what those roses meant and everything. Yeah. That this was intentional and incendiary. Like oh, this is like malicious. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. This is deliberately malicious, but meant to look kind. Yeah. And she, of course, flips the fuck out. Of course. And he is like you know, I'm going to take the kid away from you. You're not fucking safe or whatever, which, you know, if it was actually a child, sure. Yeah, I get it. Right. But then while they're fighting about it, she goes out to, I'm assuming the garage, puts her arm in a vice, breaks her own arm. Well, because the mom, Kate, had like grabbed her arm and like yes. pulled her into the room to like. Even though she breaks the wrong arm, but yeah. Oh, does she? Oh my God. Yep. I didn't even notice that. Okay. Wild. And Kate brings it up too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, but she does go in there and break unarmed to then be like, mommy hurt me. Yes. Yeah. So she calls for Peter Sarsgaard who comes in and sees the arm and it's fucked up. Yeah. I mean, she broke it. Yeah, she broke it. He's like, we got to take you to the hospital. Now, here's what I didn't couldn't figure out is why no one at the hospital figured out that she was old. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, uh, yeah. <clears throat> right. I honestly don't know. That's a, that's a fair question. Although. I guess they were just like setting the arm. It was like an emergency room situation. Maybe they weren't yeah, like maybe. digging into it too much. Although I honestly don't know much about like hospital protocol and stuff like that. I mean, they would have at least done blood work, right? I have no idea. And maybe found out about whatever disease she had. I don't know. Anyway, so while they're at the hospital, Kate drives past the Weiner liquor store, goes in and buys two bottles. Yeah. And she comes home. She pours herself a glass, but she has not drank it yet. And she gets up and walks away from the glass, looks at the pond where Max got hurt, and she dumps that bottle and that glass and doesn't open the second bottle. She does not. Yeah. So she does not drink. She does not relapse here. Right. Yeah. We cut to school where Daniel drops some of his books because Esther has slashed his backpack open. Yeah. And while she's working on you know, Daniel's stuff, Esther pulls the parking brake and just puts the car in reverse and lets that car slide across the street. Now, because at this point, she's actively trying to kill Max because she's a witness. Yes. I, well, I think so. Yeah. But also make Kate look incompetent. Well, yeah. So we cut to, I mean, they, they managed to, the car crashes into a snowbank. Max and everybody's fine. Uh, but we cut back to the house and she's like, I know I set the brake and I know I didn't have it in reverse because the car was parked there for like 
whatever. And she's like, I think Max is covering for her because she's scared. And I don't think it's the first time. And they do not believe her at all. But we absolutely did see Esther do all that shit. So like we know the mom didn't do anything wrong. Like Esther is just a psycho. Yeah, well, and Esther also found the other bottle of wine and is using it to argue that she relapsed. Yeah, but it's clearly not open. Like, that made me so mad. Esther should have opened it and poured some out. Like, Yeah, but, I mean, and and of course they won't believe her, which there's a part of me that's like, if you have someone in your life who struggles with addiction, I understand maybe not immediately believing them in this scenario, except that, like, clearly the car would have been stopped if... Daniel had gotten out of it and like like the yeah. car would have immediately slid and it didn't. And there's also all the other red flags. Like this is not the first time right. the whole thing. And he throws Max's injury in her face. Again. Which is real fucked up. Yeah. And she's like, I would never let that happen again. That's the reason I stay sober. You're the reason I stay sober. And he's like, that's so manipulative of you. I was just like, he's a fucking nightmare. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah, he becomes like a villain. Like, I think, Mikey, you're right. When he's dead, she's like, oh, that's sort of sad for the kids, I guess. Oh, she's like, oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) His life insurance is so terribly (laughs) awesome. (laughs) Thank God he paid off the house. Uh, But he does give her a week. He's like, I give you a week to go to rehab or I'm leaving and taking the kids. So now she's we've got like a ticking time clock of like what to do yeah and at at this point daniel runs into max's room and is like are you okay i saw what she did so clearly she's trying to get rid of both of us i need you to tell me everything and this is where max shows him the pictures of what has happened so he goes to the treehouse to try and get the evidence from when they killed cch pounder yeah meanwhile kate gets up and is clearly like she has a go bag and she's either going to say goodbye to max or try and take the children with her it's unclear because she doesn't get to do either yeah um because esther is there and has her journal and taunts her about her horrific stillbirth like it's terrible yeah but we cut to she's calling to try and figure out like any information for where she came from what happened uh and then she gets an idea she's like i'm gonna call you back because she's gonna go through her stuff to find the bible Meanwhile, Daniel has gone out to the treehouse and he gets all the way up there and there's no anything under the floorboards. He's just shit out of luck. Yeah. And Esther climbs up after him, dumps everything out and sets it on fire. Yeah. She's like, you know, uh, I find it's best to set all the evidence on fire so they can never find it. He's like, what? I'm 12. What are we talking about? (laughs) She's like, I am. I'm very good at this. What did you do with my porno mag? Like, that's why I'm here. What are we talking about right now, Esther? But also, this is intercut with Kate goes in, finds the Bible stuffed into a stuffed animal, goes through the pictures, and finds a label in the back of the Bible that says the Sarn Institute. So she starts searching them. She calls them and gets someone who's speaking Estonian. They they find someone who speaks English and they're like, oh, this is a mental institution. This is not an orphanage. Because she's like, hey, I'm trying to find information about this girl who was an an orphan there. And he's like, hang on, hang on, hang on. This is not an orphanage. Uh, This is a mental institution. And she's like, what? What? (laughs) And so as... She is basically sending them a photo of her yeah. to so that they can review. She hangs up. They realize that the treehouse is on fire. They go running out. Well, yeah, because while Kate was talking to the Sarn Institute or whatever, that's when mm-hmm. Esther was like setting everything in the attic on fire and like literally locks the sun in the I keep saying attic treehouse. It's, it's the treehouse. Yeah. yeah. 
And so he's like locked in the treehouse while it's on fire. Like he does a smart thing though when like climbs outside the window and is like on the outside of it and sort of like 12 year old Jason Bjorn's his way off of it. Like I was sort of impressed that he gets out of this. Although he does like fall and hurt himself pretty badly. He, he falls and hurts himself pretty badly. I did like that you went with Jason Bjorn because he is a, a Sarsgaard's son. Oh, <laughs> like baby Bjorn. Uh, yeah, okay. So I did it for two reasons because Sarsgaard sounds like it's from Scandinavia and so does Bjorn. Mm-hmm. But also gotcha. he's a child, so he should have been in a Bjorn. Sure, sure, sure. Anyway. So he falls. He hurts himself. He's unconscious. Yeah. yeah. Yes. But he they had a side door on that thing. They had like a balcony. He could have just jumped off that. That's what he does. That's how he gets out. He jumps off of that to a lower like support beam because he didn't want to fall all the way from the treehouse. You got to fall and roll, baby. You got to fall and roll. Yeah, he does not hardcore parkour, so he does not like know how to absorb the impact of the uh, ground. But he like is laying there, and Esther like gets a rock like from before when she killed the bird, and like goes up to hit him, and then Max pushes her out of the way so she doesn't kill him. But like she was about to kill him. I do think part of the reason he falls is because he's too close to the flame. Like if he had been able to hold on long enough for it to collapse more he probably would have fallen from a lower level but then he might have risked falling into the fire so like true it's little kid logic anyway yeah. so he's unconscious he avoids getting killed because max comes to his rescue yeah and then, the, and then the mom kate comes out there and they all go to the hospital more or less they do and i do think it's pretty fucked up that they're still trying to blame kate for it even though grandma was also there and i'm like multiple adults she was not the only one and grandma's not even the one who noticed like right? this is yes it's it's fucked up how they treat her through the end of this movie yeah so he stabilized and they're like we'll know if he remembers what happens when he wakes up and she pulls peter sarsgaard aside and is just like there's only two people who could have started that fire it's her or him who do you fucking think it is do you think our kids started a fire in his like clubhouse no i don't think so in his porn palace no a 13 year old boy would never burn down his porn palace it was definitely esther yes he would he's like i feel guilty in this moment Oh, <laughs> moment of clarity. Like, oh, I miss my porn palace immediately. Yeah. <laughs> it would be that fast. I remember when I was 12, 13. Mm-hmm. But also, Esther has all of these red flags leading up that he is refusing to acknowledge. Danny has none. So yeah. it's like, who do you think did this, right? Yeah. So they find out that Daniel's going to be okay. And she finds out or she tells him like she came from an asylum. She didn't come from an orphanage. Like everything we know about her is a lie. We do not know her. We cannot trust her. And she says, I'm done connecting these dots for you. And he just still doesn't believe her, which is madness. Yeah, he's a terrible husband. Yeah. Meanwhile, out in the lobby, grandma gives Esther a dollar to go to the soda machine, even though she wasn't supposed to. And she literally just goes and tries to smother Daniel. And she's pretty smart, puts the heart monitor on her finger. Yeah. And then tries to smother him. And she does make him code uh, and gets out of there before anyone sees her and manages to get a soda. But Max didn't trust her either. So Max goes and checks the soda area and knows that she's not there. And so she knows that they are trying to kill. She's trying to kill Max. So she tries to get her mom, but by the time she gets to her mom, the code has already gone out. They, you know, doctors are already on their way. It's like Max gets to the mom right as the uh, code announcement is starting. So everyone's sort of running towards that room. I mean, the mom gets to the room as the crash cart's getting there, right? They don't let her in. And you do hear that his pulse comes back. But then the mom, Kate, goes back into like the lobby area where they're like the waiting room area or whatever and slaps the shit out of Esther and it was 
awesome. I was here for it. And because like she definitely tried to kill. Like that's yes. the only person that like he was fine and then he wasn't. Like it's it's clear to everyone paying attention what's going on yeah but then in the movie as we see it he lives he survives off screen in the script there were multiple versions somewhere he lived and somewhere he did not wow okay there are a couple versions where it's it is just her and max and that's who ends up living wow okay yeah it's it's kind of interesting the various iterations that the script goes through yeah anyway because in the eyes of the hospital, she just assaulted a child. Uh, they sedate <laughs> yeah. her. And just as her phone rings and there's a missed call. Yeah. So we cut to her hospital room. She wakes up. He's like, I'm going to take the kids home. Danny's going to be OK. But like, we're going to go home. And she's like, do not let her near Max. And he completely ignores her. He's like, I love you. Bye. Yeah. Yeah. So we cut to them at home and Max takes out her hearing aids to go to sleep. And he says, Danny's going to be OK. And Esther comes in to try and like group hug and steals the hearing aids. Yeah. So Max goes to sleep. We cut downstairs. Sarsgaard opens that bottle of wine. And as he's kind of just relaxing and trying to get toasty to forget what a terrible day he's had <laughs> she like alters a dress and like puts on makeup like this would take forever but i don't know and makes him a cheese board i think the charcuterie board would have taken longer than uh her just ripping off the bottom of that dress so it fits her better i thought yeah. she was just going to her first slipknot concert <laughs> she does sort of look a little gothish but yeah a little bit and she unbinds uh you know but like this is where we're like oh no like i i see this coming a mile away and i hate it i hate it yeah and he immediately is like what are you wearing what have you done to your face what is this yeah you're a child and she's like fully trying to get that nut step daddy or whatever like it's a very uncomfortable scene i did not like it very and and she's like i love you and he's like i love you too hun like and she's like no i really love you like Love you, love you. And he's like, um, I'm drunk and you're freaking me out. Stop it. Yeah. Well, and it, and it really turns the tide when she like gets up close and he's clearly uncomfortable. Like he is clearly inching away from her. Like at no point is he like entertaining the idea, which no. I do appreciate about this scene. Yeah. That there's no ambiguity that he's just like, what the fuck? Uh, and she like whispers in his ear, let me take care of you. And he's like, Get the fuck off me. <laughs> yeah. Like, what the fuck? Uh, and he basically is like, he still thinks she's a kid. So he's like, you're so confused. No child can make a charcuterie board. What are these people going to learn? <laughs> I could have made a charcuterie board as a child. I was cooking, like actively cooking by the time I was like eight. But Paige, you have good parents. So like That's true I have good parents Yeah And that was like A culture thing You know You're Italian That's like one of the First things yeah. you learn You learn how to like Gaba ghoul And then make a Charcuterie <laughs> board But so he Still thinks she's a child And he's like You're so confused I don't love you like that That's the way Kate and I love each other And you need to respect her And it's it's almost like he's suddenly realizing like, oh, something is fucking up. Like maybe my wife who has been saying you're weird for three months was right. Yeah. Well, and because he's also drunk, he's like, everything's falling apart. I'm worried for Daniel. Like, and she's like, you're a good person and a handsome man. And he's like, get the fuck away. From like, <laughs> stop talking and go upstairs. Like, I'm not. And she says, stop talking to me like a child. And he says, I can't do it anymore. I'm taking you back tomorrow. Yeah. Basically, like. Where you no longer live here. Yeah. We cut to the hospital where 
Kate wakes up to the sound of her phone ringing. And it is the doctor from the hospital or the, the asylum in Estonia. And he's like, get the fuck out of that house. <laughs> yeah. She is a murderess. And, and he's also like, she is 33 years old. This is where you find out what's actually happening. And I had been joking about how she was like a middle-aged woman, like just making the joke the whole movie. Right. So when they confirmed it, I stood up and just put my hands in the air. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> the thing that I was like, there's no way this is the turn. So I'm just going to like make it a bit. The whole movie was actually the turn. I was like, this doesn't count. We're like, you know, your friends are like, no, I figured out usual suspects mm. like 30 minutes before the reveal. I figured out the turn in this fully an hour and 20 minutes before the reveal as a joke and then didn't believe that I was right until the turn. Yeah. Well, and th this also, they also lay out the like, she has a pattern where she seduces the husband, kills everyone else, burns the house down. And so this is where we see her like take out the teeth, take off the binders. This is where he goes up into her room and is like taking down all of her paintings and posters and turns the black light on. And it is, I mean, murals. <laughs> it is murals to Peter Sarsgaard fucking his wife. Like, it's very uncomfortable. In yeah. the orphan's defense. Okay. If you would have taken a black light to my 13-year-old room, it also would have looked <laughs> of murals. Thank you for coming back to this episode of Room Raiders. Let's see where they're going to raid the rooms next. Yes. Oh, my God. Yeah. I mean, fully same, though, but it would have been a different kind of, like, substance. It definitely wouldn't have been paint. Yeah. This this very much had the vibe of it's sexual and violent. Like, that's what this <laughs> felt like. Uh, meanwhile, she runs away from the hospital and is definitely driving through the snow under the influence. It is a miracle that she arrives at her destination without dying. A Christmas miracle. <laughs> Christmas miracle. This is the first movie we've done this month that did not feature a murderous Santa. With great Ooh. shoulders. <laughs> anyway, meanwhile, back at the house, she has killed the power and she's like hunting Peter Sarsgaard in the house yeah. and finds him and just stabs him to death immediately. You know how women hate getting rejected, right, Mikey? <laughs> <laughs> My, the one thing that I couldn't stop myself from laughing about, though, is she stabs him in the back and like that hurts, right? I assume so, yeah. I assume. But the only noise he makes is, ugh! <laughs> yeah, I was like, are they not? Are they like shallow, shallow cuts? He's like, he's like, oh, okay. I mean, I assume that she is. She's a 33 year old woman, but she looks like a child. So I'd imagine she's like right. got the strength of a child. Yes. So maybe it's not as she's deep the physiological. As like, yes. Equivalent of a child. Yeah. Right. So like, I'd imagine that the stabbing is like a child would stab you. Right. I'm not gonna lie to you. A child could kill you with a knife. I mean, like, you oh yeah, get no, I mean, it, they're pretty sharp. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. But he just underacts this. This is why when I go to like weddings and bring a gift, I never buy cutlery. I'm like, I am not. <laughs> not going to buy you what could potentially be your murder weapon. That's a wild anxiety disorder take on this, and that's <laughs> fine, I Well, guess. welcome to my therapy sessions, Mikey. Jesus. So he's dying. She's calling him. He's not answering because he's dead. Because he's dying. Like, he's been stabbed a shitload of times. He got Caesared in his house. He got Jay-Z'd. Yeah. Yeah. It's <laughs> brutal. So she calls 911 and says that there's an intruder in the house, but she's probably going to beat the police there. So Max sees that her dad is dead, which is super sad, and hides pretty wisely in a hamper in the closet. Yeah. So she... 
Kate makes it to the house and just crashes the car into the living room. I know. I thought that was so funny. I literally was like, mommy's home. When she like crashes <laughs> into it. Well, because she's also still like half sedated. Yeah. She's, and it's just like, I made it. Yeah, Whatever they gave her in the hospital is still coursing through her veins. Right. So she is like. Yeah. 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 I have to imagine it's the same shit they gave Jason Statham and crank so that she could just like <laughs> ramp up into her living room. I assume that this is where her formerly being an alcoholic pays off because she's used to like being a high functioning alcoholic. Oh, brutal. <laughs> that is a dark take, my friend. Anyway, she finds a flashlight. She sees that Sarsgaard's dead, and she's like, well, now I can take a run at Alexander. <laughs> now I can see what his brothers are up to. What's up? She looks around. She checks in the bathroom. Meanwhile, Esther has the gun and shoots up into the bathroom and gets her in the arm. So while that commotion is happening, Max sneaks through the hallway. We cut to Max has made her way downstairs, and she gets kind of into the greenhouse. Esther is tracking Kate through the house and Kate is outside on a landing and Esther realizes that she's there and, and locks the window. Yeah. But her face when she locks that window is bonkers. She's just like, aha, window. Yeah. <laughs> which leaves Kate out on the landing. So Kate climbs over the top of the greenhouse, which is all glass, and hears Max knock over a pot in the greenhouse, which Esther also hears. So... She kind of plays this real tricky game of signing to Max through the windows of or the roof of the greenhouse while also trying to distract Esther from finding Max. And ultimately, because Esther fires through the panes on the greenhouse a couple times, she ends up breaking through the glass to tackle. I mean, she like lands on Esther. Yeah. 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 It looks like Esther's neck is broken, but it will turn out that that's not the case. Which that happens like 19 times in the next five minutes. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, her neck's broken. Oh, she's alive. That, I, I did yeah. think that was funny because we were like, hey, when are you guys going to be ready to record? And you guys were still watching the movie. So I was like, okay, I just finished. And Mikey was like, Oh, yeah. Okay. She just died. And then Paige was like, or did she? Because <laughs> yeah. it does happen like seven times where she's like, quote unquote, dead. Unnecessarily. Yeah. Yeah. Because as the police pull up, Kate and Max make a run for it into the woods. Yeah. And they get to like the main road over kind of by the pond. But no sooner have they gotten there that Esther's right behind them, fucking covered in blood with a knife. Yeah. So she and Kate end up fighting on the ice. Max gets the gun, tries to shoot, <laughs> hits the ice instead of them. I did love how Max was like, I, I am a six-year-old girl that it's never shot a gun, so I better roll the dice and just see if I can hit something. Yeah. But she hits the ice and the ice breaks and they all fall in it. Yeah. Well, Max doesn't, but both women in their 30s fall through it. Correct. Yeah. And she still has that knife. So they're like fighting. She's trying to slit her throat. She ends up cutting her face a couple yeah. times. Like she gets Kate. So the Esther's like bleeding out. Yeah, yeah. It's it's she gets got. Yeah. Kate makes her way out of the ice. And as she's climbing out, Esther grabs her ankle and just says, like, help me, mommy. I don't want to die. And she kicks her in the face and says, I'm not your fucking mommy, which... <laughs> Sends her back into the ice. She crawls out. She grabs Max. They make their way back to the road. And, and that's, that's the movie. movie. So having seen the movie, having talked about the movie, what did you guys think about Orphan? 
I did really like this. I thought this was really I well done. Liked. It. I don't think I would. Re- I don't think I'm going to rewatch it. I'm interested in the se- the prequel. I am interested in the prequel as well. Definitely. Yeah, I would definitely watch the prequel to this movie. This movie wasn't like super scary. There were some moments that did like jump scare me, and I sort of thought the twist was sort of cool. I am glad I didn't know what it was. Yeah, I'm glad too because like it sort of blew me away in the moment. Yeah, it's it's wild. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I I wouldn't say I enjoyed this. Like, I probably wouldn't watch this one again. But I did enjoy it enough that I think I would check out the prequel. Yeah, absolutely. I'm sure we'll we'll be forced to to watch it at some point. Yeah. So, Paige, do you have any fun facts for us? I do. Well, hit us with your fun facts. Orphan fun Fun facts. facts. So, when this got voted into listener request, I was like, is this a winter, like a Christmas movie? So, there's a couple different reasons for it. We'll go through it. Uh, Because... This and The Lovely Bones were both released in 2009 and set during the winter. Walmart mistakenly marketed them as family Christmas films. What? I love this. I love that someone bought this movie and they thought it was about like an orphan finding a family for Christmas. I don't think anyone did. I think people were like, one of these things is not like the other because there's like photos (laughs) of it. But this was actually the second time because previously that same Walmart, uh, and it's largely like a couple of them in Canada or where this happens, okay, uh, had tried to market Marley and Me and Phoebe in Wonderland as family comedies as well. <laughs> Marley and oh, Me, man. notably not a comedy that's super, It's a, that's the super sad dog movie, right? Yes. Yep. Yeah it's, yeah. it's good, but don't watch it, man. It's so sad. I own Marley now. She's awful (laughs) (laughs) uh not only that walmart actually had a giant poster of orphan mandated by the marketing team for the film that you know they had some sort of agreement with walmart and the only place to put it was right next to the family films (laughs) so that's how this kind of gets its reputation as a christmas movie which i do think is very very funny yeah although modern day this probably would never happen again most walmart dvds are in bins but Anyway, so additionally, this was also supposed to be a fall movie, not a winter movie. Okay. And it included a scene at a Halloween carnival at the kids' school that had to be cut because as they approached their shooting date, Toronto, where they filmed, had a record snowfall, meaning that everything had to be changed to be winter. So they had to then (laughs) change the movie drastically to reflect the amount of snow that they would have to deal with. Okay. Yeah, so this almost wasn't a Christmas movie. I mean, it's not really a Christmas movie. It's not. It just takes place in the winter. Like, it's fine. It's a winter movie. Yeah, yeah. It's a winter movie. Yeah. So earlier drafts of the script included a lot more information about Esther's past and her, essentially, M.O. as a killer. In that story, she suffered extensive sexual abuse, of course. Of course. By her parents, which made her unable to have children, which led her father who was abusing her yeah to claim that she could never be a real woman which full stop children no children that is not what makes you a woman right this is one of the cruelest things you can say to somebody but also untrue yeah so she murdered him i'm gonna give her a, ba- a pass on that one yeah <laughs> i'm gonna say that's fine you get a free one i yeah. think that's a good one mm-hmm. i think you're yeah, allowed yeah. to kill your abuser on some level uh, I mean, laws, you'll have to deal oh, with that part, but, yeah. you know. Yeah, but you yeah. know what I'm saying. Like, I'm not going to feel yeah. bad for the guy who was abusing this child. Yeah, of course when not. When she was a child. 
Right. Yeah. Exactly. And this is when she is a child. Yeah. Um, because of the murder, she is then sent to the Sarn Institute. Mm, that makes sense. Yeah. For a number of years, but then escapes. Uh, she works as a sex worker, uh, but is arrested. And upon her arrest, pretends to be a child to avoid going to jail, which starts her into the orphanage system. Okay. Is this what the prequel's about? Because maybe I don't want to see it. <laughs> No, I don't think so. Okay. This is from supposedly the 2007 draft okay. of the script. It kind of builds in a little bit more lore about why she does what she does because she doesn't like being stuck in the body of a child and wants to grow up and be kind of function as an adult in society. But the way that she does this is by seducing men who are in that father figure role, yeah. which is ugh. dark. <laughs> Super dark. Yeah. So Isabel Furman auditioned for the part of Esther while wearing an old fashioned dress and ribbons around her wrists and neck. So she like dressed the part to come to the audition. The actress who plays Max is deaf um, and at this point in her life has cochlear implants, which allow her to hear a little bit better and speak even though she has very little speaking in this film. Yeah. She doesn't need it. She emotes amazingly. She does such a great job. I think she did amazing in this. Yeah. Yeah. When they went to go create the movie poster for this film, instead of just taking a picture, they actually took half a picture and mirrored it, which is why she looks unnatural and it is meant to just kind of put you off a little bit. Okay. Yeah. Mm. Cool. Very cool. Uh, the director allowed Isabel Furman to only do that swearing scene where she says fuck and talks about sex in one or two takes so she would not have to swear repeatedly because again, she, she is 12. a child. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. The trailer originally featured that line that was, it must be hard to love an adopted child as much as your own uh, because they got huge complaints, letters, everything, but it does remain in the film which is why many, many adoptive organizations uh, really don't like this movie because of that line. Even if you cut that line, it's still about a quote unquote orphan murdering a family. So like, absolutely I sort of get that. Like, yeah. Yeah. Vera Farmiga knitted the entire time she was on set when she had downtime, which really? if you've ever been on a movie set, there's a lot of downtime. Yeah. And Isabel Furman thought it was really interesting. So she helped teach her how to knit. Aw. And now Aww. they both knit. Not necessarily together, but like they are both knitters because of this movie. That's actually like a really sweet moment between this like in the movie terrible person who's yeah. like trying to kill her. That's really cool. Right. Now, when the character of Kate is playing music on the piano, she is within the story composing a suite for Max and Jessica. Now, it was originally a much longer scene because Vera, Farmi because Vera Farmiga is an incredibly skilled pianist and wanted to play the full piece and was actually very, very angry that it got cut out of the final cut and mad that it didn't get included on the DV DVD. And she has talked about it multiple times. There is a really spectacular shot of her playing the piano where you're like, oh, they actually got someone in who can play piano because it's just showing her hands, right? Which is what everyone does in movies where people can't really play the piano. They hire someone who can and right, that's right. What they, they just show the hands, right? But like it hands up from her hands playing it to her face mm -hmm. like as if to say yes that is her playing that shit i was blown away yeah. by that i was like holy shit she's actually really good yeah she's really good so cool there is a brief shot when they take esther home where you can see sister abigail waving goodbye with her fingers crossed behind her back really yeah i don't think she knows 
the full scope. Like, I don't think she's like, oh, that's a 33-year-old woman. I think she's like, Esther's been here a while. Maybe this time it sticks. Yeah, like, oh, God, I hope this actually works. Now, over on Romancing the Pod, this has happened more times (laughs) than on this show, but... There was a very dark time in screenwriting during a certain era, and the blacklist has made some mistakes along the way. Oh no, is this a writer's strike blacklist movie? This is right before, because okay. most of the ones we cover that are terrible are writer's strike blacklist movies, mostly 2008 and 2009. Yeah. This is 2007. Okay. So this is actually just before Um, But it is the much longer version of the script that then gets trimmed down for the version that we see in this movie. Awesome. Okay. So now the actual building that they use to represent the Sarn Institute is uh, Alma College in St. Thomas, Ontario. And the building, oddly enough, was destroyed in a fire on May 28th, 2008, shortly after filming was complete. Okay. Wow. Uh, The film was shipped to theaters under the codename Infant Terror. (laughs) that sounds like the 80s movie version of this it does i love code names i think they're hilarious yeah the name of the author listed on the studies around um children with borderline personality disorder that she prints out the author listed is isabel cote which is the film's graphic designer nice so the person who like made those articles yeah essentially uh now when kate asks if Esther hurt them in the car. The sign Kate uses for Esther's name, uh, known as a name sign, so you're not having to sign out every single letter every time, Yeah, is the same sign for emergency. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. Uh, according to the Institute records, uh, Esther is born on April 20th, the same date as Hitler's birthday in 1976. Okay. Uh, there are a lot of nods to fatal attraction in this film most notably the black light paint scene but also the idea of kind of gaslighting a couple to kind of get in between them um it's been cited as a an influence for this movie by multiple people who worked on it however the one difference is that given that she has an mo with the house fire and killing the husband and all of this kind of same thing it's actually more likely that unlike fatal attraction she is reliving past crimes as opposed to just having an overactive imagination which is kind of more the case in fatal attraction yeah now near the end of the film esther is revealed to have hypopituitarism hypopituitarism um, mm. that's a real disorder okay and it is considered rare however there is treatment really including growth hormones uh for children to grow at a normal rate up to you know a certain point till you reach adulthood essentially sure um but something the film leaves out is that people with this condition are required to take cortisone medications otherwise they could die to kind of based on how the disease affects your body really so she would need to be taking pills daily or injections weekly and she has never seen doing either okay and those are your fun facts well thank you for those fun facts page let's talk a little bit about box office so what do you think the production budget was for orphan in 2009 i think this is like 25 okay mikey what do you think no i think it's like 
12. Okay. The production budget was $20 million. So sort of in between where you guys were, but Paige, you were a little bit closer. Now, this movie came out in 2009. So if you adjust that for inflation, it's about $27.7 million. Now, this movie came out on July 24th, 2009. It was number four in the theaters that weekend. It was beat by G-Force, which was the number one movie. Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince was number two. The Ugly Truth was number three. Orphan, of course, was number four. And number five was Ice Age, Dawn of the Dinosaurs. What do you think Orphan made in its opening week? And again, that week was July 24th, 2009. Ten million. What do you think, Paige? This was popular at the time. And I remember people talking about the twist, but I don't think it was that big i think this is kind of a slow burn so i'm gonna go six million okay it actually made 13 million dollars almost it was actually 12.8 but it was close to 13 million dollars uh in its first weekend it was then in the theaters for a another 10 weeks so it was in the theaters for 11 weeks total uh and so what do you think it made domestically at the box office in those 11 weeks i'm gonna say this makes 35 okay mikey what do you think i'm gonna say 45 Okay, the domestic box office was $41.5 million. It then went on, it also made 37.1 internationally for a total of $78.7 million total at the box office. Now, that was in 2009. If you adjust that for inflation, that's a little bit under $110 million. It's a $109.4 million today. So it did make quite a bit of money. I understand why they did make a prequel to this. Uh, I mean, it did take them like 12 years to make that prequel, but it is available as of, I think, last year is when it came out, something like that. Uh, 2022, it was this oh, year. Oh, it was this year. Oh, okay. It got good buzz. Yeah. I mean, we'll probably do it eventually, but that is your box office. So, Mikey, do you want to hit him with that scary scale? Yeah, scary scale. Listen to scale of 1 to 10 of how scary we found the film today. Our one example is Ghostbusters, and our 10 example is Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Page. I'm going to give this a 2, uh, and primarily for that opening scene. That yeah, is, man. Oof. That, that is triggering and uh, terrifying in a very, very tangible way. Yeah, oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Like I was saying earlier, like I can't have children like I that is never going to be in the cards for me. So like and it still messed with me. So I can imagine if that's in the cards for you or you've experienced something like that. It's so much worse. But yeah, I'm going to give this movie a three because the jump scares got me. And that opening scene was so like, oh, God. Oh, man. I think I'm going to give it a four. Okay. I'm trying to be more fair. I feel like on the romance scale, I give higher numbers, and it's like not I'm trying to be more fair here. If it's a scale of one to ten, not everything's a one. I'm gonna try I'm trying to do better. Okay. I mean, listen, I appreciate that you see there's room for growth. Actually, I give this four cats. Scaredy cats. <laughs> four scary cats out of ten. hmm I can't wait for those episodes to come. I hope that podcast freaks out. <laughs> that episode came out today, Mikey. Oh, well. But maybe not for them yet. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, maybe they haven't heard it. So that's our scary scale. So this week, the listeners made us watch Orphan. What are you all making us watch next week? We have to decide what goes first. It's Oh, that's right, because this is the last episode of December. 
So it, we are doing rewatch January, mm-hmm. where we go back and revisit movies. Right. And I think we're starting off with Hereditary, right? Didn't we like want to go out of the gate with a big one? Let's fucking dive right in. 2023, we're starting with Hereditary. Let's go. I'm honestly nervous to rewatch this movie because this is the scariest movie I've ever seen. Hereditary oh, is. Oh, boy. I cannot. W- I've never been able to talk about this movie before. Well, Paige either. Yeah. This was like our third episode. Or it was the third one we recorded i think it may be the episode four because we released them out of order but like it was the scariest movie i have ever seen i saw it in the theaters when it was in theaters like i'm not looking forward to revisiting this one i'm honestly curious how your tolerance has changed over time me and, too and to see if it will be that that bad that's one of the reasons i'm excited about the revisited month mm-hmm. because we'll be able to revisit movies i've seen because i've been on every episode right so like right it'll be my second rewatch at least for all of them so i'm interested to see what i give them on the scary scale for the second time around right but yeah, so your homework is to, I'm going to say, get wine drunk and rewatch Hereditary and try to just imagine me standing up in a theater yelling fuck at the end of it, because that's literally what happened in the theater when I saw it the first time. And check back next week to see if I do it again. So, Mike, do you have a review for us to read? No, nah, I don't. Well, while you're looking one up, let me tell them how they can have their review read on the podcast, and that is to leave us a five-star text review, and we'll have Mikey read it for you in his very non-offensive Italian accent. Mikey, whose review are you going to read this week? I'm going to read Z-Mommy. Z-H-Mommy. Har Virgin is my favorite podcast. Oh, awesome. Well, what does Z-H-Mommy have to say? Okay, I was like, okay. <laughs> I, I was lucky enough to stumble upon the horror version while searching the my recommended list, and I'm so glad I did. Nice. Listening to Paige, Mikey, and Todd break down these horror films feels like sitting down with your own friends after watching a flick together. That is the vibe. If you're a fan of horror or film pods in general, I can't recommend this podcast enough. I hope they'll eventually get around to one of my favorite horror flicks, the 1988 classic Zach Galligan Gremlins vehicle, Waxwork, which... I have seen and I also enjoy. I honestly know nothing about it, but if it's an 80s film, I'm sure it's bonkers and awesome. Most of them are. Five stars. Well, ZH Mommy, thank you so much for that awesome five-star review. And if you want to have Mikey read your five-star review, leave us a five-star review. So, guys, if you like this show but want to hear this power thruple on another movie review show about romance and romantic comedies, check out Romancing the Pod, where Mikey, Paige, and I break down and make fun of romantic movies. It's a lot of fun, guys. Check it out. If you want to follow us on social, please do. We are at Horror Virgin or online at HorrorVirgin.com. If you want to follow us all individually, you can do that as well. Paige is at Paige Wesley on Twitter or Rampage Wesley everywhere else, including TikTok. TikTok. Mikey is at M Randolph 24 and I am at Todd J awesome. If you like the show so much and you want to help financially support it, please do by going to patreon.com slash horror virgin where you can get a lot of great levels and a lot of great stuff like bonus episodes, director's cut episodes where they're a little bit longer and you get them actually a day earlier mm-hmm. than the mm-hmm. regular feed drop. We do a lot of great things like listener requests and stuff like that. So guys check out yeah. the Patreon and help support the show. If you want to financially support me, but not Todd, just look me up on Venmo. If you can't financially support the show, that's understandable. That's fine. But if you want to hang out with us on the daily, join the Facebook group uh, at facebook.com slash group slash virgin. We also link it like once a week. So just find it there and join the awesome Facebook group. Literally, we're in there talking every day. It's awesome. And guys, we got a P.O. box. So if you want to send us some love letters or whatever you might send to a P.O. box, it's actually not a P.O. box. It's like a regular street address. It's pretty awesome. It's 6688 Nolansville Road, 
number 108-34, Brentwood, Tennessee, 37027. So send us some stuff. Yeah. And if you want to check out our Twitch stream, we're at twitch.tv slash Todd Awesome, where we will be playing horror video games. So if you have always wondered what it would be like to watch me get scared, you can now do that on Twitch while I play these horror games. It's twitch.tv slash Todd Awesome. Guys, check it out. It's a lot of fun for you. Not a lot of fun for me. And if you haven't noticed, since October 1st, we have been running the new Horror Virgin blog. And when I say we, I really mean Katie from the Facebook group. She's been running everything. She's like the managing editor of the Horror Virgin blog. So if you haven't been to our Horror Virgin blog, go check it out. It's at horrorvirgin.com slash blog. You'll see it. It's awesome. There's a lot of great articles. I mean, at the end of October, we have 31 awesome articles up and they will continue after October, not on a daily schedule though. That's just too much for Katie to handle, but check out our awesome Horror Virgin blog up now. This episode was brought to you by Tia and Tia's teenager has been driving her crazy. So how is Tia's teenager driving her crazy this week? Tia's teenager is actually 37 years old. Yeah, we've been meaning to tell you this whole time. Oh my God, I knew it. But this episode was also brought to you by Jonathan. And Jonathan normally sends us some spooky spider videos. But because we've been recording a lot in early December, so we could take some time off at the end of the year. But you guys still get episodes every Monday and Thursday. Um, Jonathan, I ran out of videos, so please send me some more. So this week, we, we're not going to have a spooky spider video or otherwise. But Jonathan, thank you so much for the support. We love it. We now return you to another episode of uh, The, the Patreonicals. Where in time did we go this week? So I forget where we're leaving, but we are going. We left a Viking war, the Battle of a Bridge in 13. Oh, that's right. We are. Yeah. So, but we're leaving that Viking war and we're going to New York City. New York City. 2045. Oh, the not that far away in the future. But in the future, though. Yeah, but like not that far away. It yeah, be like that 23 much years or so. Yeah, <laughs> that's time. That's, that's kind of like basically it'll be the same. That's fine. Yeah, there'll be electric cars, maybe. Oh, wait, whatever. Okay, <laughs> people are fucking flashing in, and it's uh, Sophia the time cop, and she uh, she shoots Jennifer the PH with her time gun, and Jennifer the PH disappears, and Jennifer's <gasps> like flicking her off as she, she's like, fuck time prison. Because that's right, that's right. When you get shot with a time bullet, you don't die, you just get sent right. to time jail. It's like tag. Yes, yes. And Anthony the time master, he's like, what are you doing? And she's like, I will stop you all, all of this crazy time shenanigans. And then Anthony's like, I'm going to go get my girl back. And he snaps his finger. He's he like zips out. And she's like, you'll never break her out of time prison. Anyway, <laughs> New York 2045, Times Square, the Santa Maria crash lands. Okay. And we got problems. We do have problems. Yeah, because the Santa Maria is now like crash landing mm -hmm. in 2045 New York. Yes. Yeah. Garotica gets out of the ship. She... Is dressed in like spiked shoulder pads and stuff, so people start taking their pictures with her on uh, Times Square. She charges twenty dollars a picture. Captain Bruder's like, guys, we gotta mess up. I don't know what we're gonna do in the future. We gotta mess things up. Mess things up as much as you can. <laughs> They're just in future New York fucking shit up. Yeah, Libby, Aaron, and Danielle, who have been turned into beautiful regular people, were like, we've got to unload all of these 
regular human babies we accidentally cloned out of Wes's body. <laughs> wow, I didn't realize that they had cloned human babies out of Wes's body. I guess that happened last episode. They were mun. They were mun babies. Remember, they were doing it weeks and weeks. That's making, right. Okay. 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 But yeah, they yeah, got yeah, turned yeah. into people. And they they're did. Like, this is too many mouths to feed. Okay. So they go to a fire station, which is marked as a safe place, and they drop off hundreds of children, babies. And okay. That's how we're gonna wrap up that loose end. <laughs> <laughs> Just a bunch of, like, formerly Mun, now human babies are getting adopted in future New York City? Uh-huh. I love it. The secret is they're all 33 years old. <laughs> but in Mun year, so it's regular child year. That makes sense, yeah. Uh-huh. Karun, again, is sobbing because he's blue, and he's in a he's in an alien world, and he hates it, and he's cursed, and people are just taking his pictures with him with selfies and handing him $20 bills, and he hates it so much. <laughs> Isaac eats a tourist. That checks out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Scott made of the thing. He climbs on top of a big billboard on Times Square, the, the glowy ones, and he punches it because he and he throws it on a bunch of people because he's like, "Oh, we're supposed to like change things." They're like, "Maybe not murder innocent people, but it's fine." Uh, Wes is too <laughs> handsome, so he wanders off and meets a girl in New York, and they have a wonderful twenty-four hour experience, like Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist. But unfortunately, we will not be able to get the details. I love that they are having their like New York walk and talk romantic twenty-four hour date. And we're not visiting them for that. Like, that nope. is just something that happens off screen. That's just a favor to me. You know how much I hate those movies. You do hate those movies. And Mikey and I fully love those movies. Mr. Rage Bomb, he, um, he just goes and gets like a like a lox bagel because that's one of his favorites. Oh, he doesn't I get blow that. up on this episode. Yeah. Nice. He relaxes. He goes to the spa, gets some lox and schmear. Like, he just has a good time with it. Yes. I'm here for Vance, it. Vance, the serial killer. He goes around New York and kills at least four people. Lauren, the cave woman, uh, she starts taking pictures with uh, people in Times Square because, unfortunately, a new remake of the Flintstones movie comes out and one of the main characters looks like her. Alex, the magician, <laughs> tries to do magic on Times Square and is automatically beat up by people. Wow, okay, that escalated very quickly. Cody and Boise start running a three-card Monty and make a lot of New York future money. Jeremy with the laser eyes, he goes see the Statue of Liberty because he's never been to New York before and he just wasn't in the mood for shenanigans this week. Allie the Mermaid was tossed in the Hudson River by Nathan the Professional Wrestler. But like as a favor, right? Like I don't think so. Oh, okay. I mean, she does need the water to survive, but yeah, didn't have to be a dick about it. Yeah. Kate flies Amy and Dreskel to the top of the Empire State Building where they talk about how they can survive this time jumping and that like without shining donuts donut filling they would all be dead and shining donut he goes to a new york donut shop to learn more new flavors of donuts i mean that sounds like a job i'd enjoy yeah and then sophia goes to the top of the empire state building and she attempts to shoot at them and then dave pushes her but then he slips and falls off the empire state building <laughs> And that's the end of the episode. <laughs> All right. I guess we'll have to find out what happens next week on another episode of uh, the uh, Patreonicals. That's going to be it for us, guys. I'm Paige. I'm Mikey. And I'm your horror version, Todd. Keep it ookie spooky. Yeah. Have a great week. Bye. Bye. 33-year-olds without parents, nerds.